we're back. Oh, I'm thinking I'm back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 122 of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt just had a burger, and the burger did not have tomatoes on it, but I did request uh, jalapenos, and oh boy, I am feeling it. (laughs) Spicy boy. It's going to be a spicy episode. It's our first episode in, oh my God, like a month month and a bit. Our last episode was, is Moonfall the greatest movie ever made in April? Um, Yes, everyone. It's a legacy um, sequel. You know, even in April, we were a little sporadic, right? Like we had Absolute Bayhem. We had all of our every, Everything Everywhere All at Once stuff at the beginning of that month. And, uh, you know, since the Oscars, it's been um, kind of sporadic and, and weird on this show. Um, we haven't had a ton of episodes. We have had some great interviews with Jay Cheel and uh, the Daniels and Ki Hui Kwan and, and, and stuff like that. But and you've been on um, kind of funny a couple of times. Yeah. And-, um, and we've done reviews, you know, you have your, uh, your multiverse of madness, Northman, Chippendale. Um, we also had uh, unbearable weight of massive talent, Sonic the Hedgehog. Like we've had stuff throughout April. Um, but then a couple of things happened during that time, which oh, is yeah. why we've been a little sporadic and haven't put out a ton of stuff. Uh, firstly, Eric got COVID. So but you can listen to me yeah. talk to Jay Cheel about that in, in the episode where I interviewed him for Curse Films uh, too, and, and uh, I was and, just starting to come down with it at that point. And then, ironically, during the Moonfall episode, you were just getting over it. I yes. remember you talked about on that episode getting over COVID. And then, ironically, on this episode, <laughs> I will talk about how I just got over COVID. So, uh, you probably—I mean, a lot of people who listen might not follow me on on social, where I overshare way too much. But um, I. Yeah, I caught COVID. Um, it's been a it's week brown. and a, uh, a half now. Uh, after, like we took a good almost two weeks off when we were going to record because we recorded Chippendale um, in between um, not having COVID and having COVID uh, or me having COVID. Um, and so much has happened since then. It's been over a month since we've recorded. We've done a few reviews, like I mentioned, and, and you guys can check out our new reviews they're not really for new things. It's just, we only got around to recording up. them. Now we're catching up with stuff. So you can check out our review for top gun Maverick and stranger things Four, and you'll also be able to check out our review for Ms. Marvel on June the 6th, depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be up. So is it the 6th or is it out. the 7th? Oh, the 7th. Yes. Cause 7th is Tuesday. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 7th. It's going up. My bad. Thank you for that correction, Eric. Uh, the day before the premiere, we'll be reviewing the first two episodes. Um, you guys can check that out. And we'll also have reviews and, uh, for Spiderhead and Lightyear coming up. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about the plans for everything because I am leaving to go get married in uh, exactly a week and I will be gone for three weeks. So we haven't really discussed. <laughs> Sporadic uh, again. Uh, we won't. We haven't really discussed exactly what the plan is for when I'm gone, but like. Um, we will have some reviews like Eric just mentioned that will be planned out over that time. Some, uh, some interviews that Eric will be doing while I'm gone. Hopefully knock on wood. We, we haven't confirmed those yet, but it's looking like we will. Um, and then we'll have some reviews for some things and, and whether or not I highly doubt I will podcast from 
uh, my honeymoon and things like that. So <laughs> um, maybe I'll do a, a, a short episode, 30 minutes from my villa that I rented for my honeymoon, but we'll see. Maybe give it Welcome to the tour. romantic Matt hour uh, or the romantic yeah. Roarback. <laughs> from, from the hot tub or whatever. Um, so anyways, we'll get into all of that. Would but, Derek be um, there though? <laughs> that's where I fucking got it, I think, dude. So I'll talk about all of that. But, uh, they, so but much, Ryan was okay though, wasn't he? Yeah, so, so much has happened, everyone. So... Um, These since, people don't even know who we're referencing. No, they don't. They <laughs> have no idea. So since the last episode, um, you know, I got busy planning a wedding with Nevis because we were getting down to the, the crunch time for all of that. So, you know, my days. Croatia crunch time. Uh, yeah. My days are limited in the sense of like I have family feud that I have to work a full 40-hour work week basically. Um, then on top of that, I have wedding stuff with Nevis. On top of that, I have stuff I want to do with Nevis. Uh, on top of that – you know, we have this show and, and reviews and reviews are kind of the priority because that's the stuff we we have. We commit to studios. We, we see screeners and we want to make sure we do that kind of stuff. And then this show is the fun thing where Eric and I just shoot the shit for often way too long. Um, so that last episode should have lasted you, you know, at least this month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, And then in between that, you know, um, I, we saw Top Gun Maverick and then we had. Um, I saw all three Lord of the Rings movies in IMAX in, in that time, right before I the got The Ontario Cinesphere. Cinesphere. So I'll talk a little bit about that in what we've been watching. Um, I'll talk about the first three episodes of The Boys, um, which I've seen as well in the what we've been watching. Playing, and Barry, um, I, they haven't the used boys. that song yet, and they should. Um, and we'll talk about Barry and other shows that we've been watching. But I think the big thing is, yes uh, – Eric on the last episode talked about his battle with COVID. Uh, I will talk about mine. Um, I guess we can start with um, Eric put together with uh, other friends and family. Um, my, uh, I love it. You're wearing it. I love it. Eric's wearing the Bachelor shirt, which was my bachelor party shirt. So Eric and a bunch I of my buddies um, <laughs> put together the Bachelor uh party so we went out for my bachelor party we went to a toronto blue jays game which was the fastest blue jays game i've ever been to in my life we were worried we weren't going to make our dinner reservation and um we ended up getting there way too early because the baseball game was two hours long it was the fastest baseball game i've ever been to in my life uh, I got to take notes on when we're talking about things. So, um, <laughs> baseball game. <laughs> uh, well, the bachelor party. I'm also going to open this white claw, uh, peach iced tea. And I'm in, drinking in, a diet Pepsi uh, in, in celebratory nature. I'm going to have this white claw as I talk about all of this stuff. So, um, uh, so anyways, we start with the baseball game, the fastest baseball game ever. Did I catch COVID at the baseball game? Maybe. Cause that was the busiest thing that we went to. Um, where the Toronto Blue Jays just absolutely clowned out the other team. It wasn't like a blowout, but it was just one of the fastest baseball games I've ever been to. If anyone's been to a baseball game, uh, which a lot of people who love movies don't love sports, so it's true. maybe not a lot of you haven't. <laughs> Eric's probably You've seen baseball of, movies. <laughs> how was it going to a baseball game? You have probably haven't been in a very long time. Yeah, right? I think the last time I went was like back in like 2002. Um. That. It was fine. I, I, it, like you said, like it was so quick. Like I was expecting it to feel like four or five hours, like an episode of Stranger Things season four. But instead, it turned <laughs> out being um, rather enjoyable. Um, I think it was it also was just like actually being in a crowd, but also kind of still being careful. 
yeah and all that kind of stuff but they ended up opening the dome and and yeah and when they opened the dome that's really where it felt like you know the the sun was shining in it kind of felt like a perfect sort of pre-summer um you know warm weather outdoor event that it just it kind of it really lightened the mood and i think it really helped with like even just like you know, there are there are times like in the in the in the fall and winter, especially in the last little bit, that like I had some depression and sort of it kind of felt like it was alleviated as we a all bit. kind of did, yeah, seasonal depression and things like that. Um, I will say, so who went to the bachelor party? Was Eric set it all up? Eric's brother. Well, no, 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 no. I gotta say, so Nevis, uh, your my sister yeah. Sarah, um, Ryan Hancock, and my brother yeah. Kyle um, deserve a lot of credit. So well, shout out to those guys, but, um, Eric, thank you. But, um, so yeah, my buddy Ryan Hancock was there and he got uh, these sweet shirts. My, yeah. He has seasons tickets to the, the blue Jays, So he helped set, uh, that up. If people are movie fans and not sports fans, uh, if you saw turning red, it's where the finale of turning red took place. That's when it was the, called the sky. Dome. Yeah. Now we're at the Rogers center and we were there watching the baseball game. Um, some friends from high school, Anthony and Greg came, hadn't seen them in a really long time. My buddy Kevin McGuire came and he, uh, who was a guest on the show, uh, once him and Rihanna do an article over on eclectic, uh, eclectish, um, where they, uh, have to return some videotapes as their article and that they do. And they've been watching tons of movies. Great dude. I worked with him at the blue Jays. He was there. Uh, and, uh, my buddy Derek, who I worked with at Rogers, who might've been patient zero. I'm throwing it out there, Derek. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, baseball game was a blast. Eric and these guys had these really dumb t-shirts made that, uh, had some great quotes and things like that. Um, and so getting into the movie theme stuff, we went out for dinner, steak dinner after that, which was great. The keg um, mansion, the keg mansion, which the keg, if anyone's from Canada, one of the better chain restaurants, chain steakhouse, it's one of those classic things you go to with you, like your parents or, uh, anytime you have a celebratory thing in the suburbs of, of, uh, of Ontario, at least, um, you go to the keg and there's a couple in Toronto, one's in like an old mansion. So we went to that one, which was a lot of fun, had some great food. And then we went to Stormcrow Manor, um, which if you guys are from the GTA and haven't been there and you're listening to this show, you should definitely go. It's a, it's a nerdy bar where they have all nerdy drinks based on movies and TV shows and different things like that. And, um, they have a thing called a D 20 shot where you roll a Dungeons and Dragons D 20 die and you have to do the shot, uh, based on the number that you roll, um, there's all these ridiculous, I had a drink called Beetlejuice. We were sitting in the red room from twin peaks, which was awesome. Or the black lodge, um, which also had the bar from the shining behind us as we watched um, X-Men movies. Yeah. As, <laughs> as there was an X-Men marathon being played with, smooth, from, with uh, the like smoothing, uh, motion smoothing smooth, on, yeah. it was fucking hilarious. So, um, had a wonderful time with those guys there. And then, um, we left we, Greg at a uh, storm. <laughs> oh my God. We left one of my buddies there. We all left and we got halfway to the next place we were going and we were like, Oh my God, we left Greg. And I like sprinted back. Cause I felt so bad. Um, <laughs> we left him there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my covid cough still coming through um and then we went to this other dingy bar um, the artful dodger the artful dodger that derek took us to which was also really fun uh where there's some people playing uh pool upstairs and it was just this dive bar kind of thing um and we had some 
uh, some beers there. And then uh, as it, the night got later, that's where we split up from all of you guys. But I got a little tipsy and, and Derek's like his his wife and daughter were at the cottage and he was having a bachelor weekend as well. And he's like, come over to my hot tub. I'm like, I'm all in on that. Let's go to your hot tub. And it was just me, Hancock and Derek. That Kyle way. wanted to and, go so badly. Like he was he had, like, yeah, was you, like, you're allergic to cats. And, yeah. and, and, and that's one. That was, that why. was the excuse to get out. Um, of it. <laughs> it was fun, dude. Like it, it was fun. Don't oh, get me wrong. seeing the photos right? that were, were sent in the email chain. It was it like, was, so we get to Derek's and we ordered McDonald's and crushed some McDonald's before we got into the hot tub. And at this point it's like four in the morning and like, um, it was, I was exhausted. And right as I got there and was eating the McDonald's, I'm like, this is a horrible idea. I should have gone home to go to sleep. And then, um, we chilled in his hot tub for a bit. Hancock fell asleep in the hot tub, you know, talked about star Wars and all this other nerdy shit too. Cause Derek's a big star Wars guy and, um, just hung out with him um and then that was the night got home at like six in the morning um had a wonderful time at the bachelor party um i you know got home super late so all of sunday i'm like i need to sleep like i'm not gonna do much uh monday came around i'm like huh i'm still maybe you know as you get older a hangover sometimes takes two days or something to get over it. And then, so Nevis and I go out for brunch on, it's the holiday Monday, um, Victoria day, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The long weekend. Yeah. yeah. Two, four. Um, Nevis and I go out for brunch. Um, I get home from brunch and I'm like, I don't feel great. <laughs> like <laughs> Where, what, what were the, was, um, did you feel like it in the back of your throat first? Like what a was, little bit. What was so the- sore throat and yeah. I felt nauseous. Like, so I thought it was the food where I'm like, Oh, something at brunch. Like I had like, you know, greasy kind of brunch. I had like greasy spoon kind of stuff, baked eggs and like, um, these hash browns and a big sausage. And like, you know, like it was, it was a good ass breakfast, but then like I got home and I'm like, I feel like my, my throat's a bit sore and I feel like I need to throw up. And like, I, I felt kind of like nauseous and I was like, I need to sleep more. And I ended up just like sleeping more Monday. Uh, and then Tuesday I, I continued to not feel great. And I just, it was a weird feeling where I'm like, huh. And it got worse as Tuesday went on to the point where I, I, it felt like a flu, honestly, like mine started with like nausea and, and flu like symptoms. And then a headache throat hurt a little bit. And then Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, I started to go, Ooh, I think this might be the vid. And like, I'm like, but I don't know. Right. I tested on, sorry. I tested on Tuesday morning and it was negative. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, interesting. And then Tuesday night, dude, I had one of the worst nights I've had in a really long time where I was, uh, having chills. I was literally like shivering all like and sweating one moment and hot flashes. And then just like, you know how I was in New York for your 30th birthday. Oh yeah. Like I felt like that where like, I was just like, uh, like this, like I couldn't get warm and like, or then one second I'd be drenched in sweat and yeah. Oh, body aches was the one thing on Tuesday afternoon. So that led into the chills on Tuesday night the body aches on Tuesday uh, were like my whole body was sore and I'm like, 
we didn't do anything. Like I know I jogged to go get Greg and I'm like, and I know I'm really out of shape. So like, maybe I'm like, that's why my body's sore. It was just a long day. So like I kept giving myself excuses, but like it was the chills on Tuesday night where in the middle of the night I was just shaking in my, in bed the whole night and had a horrible sleep um, where I took a test on Wednesday morning and I'm like, it has to be it. And then like instantly that rapid test, like, you know, where it says, wait 15 minutes. It waited 30 seconds. It's it was like, like no, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like deep red line on the positive and like, no, you fucking have COVID you idiot. And like, uh, I was like, fuck, I, two and a half years. I, I went by without getting it. And you were in the same boat a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, but I, um, I was so pissed off because a family member brought it in and it was like, sure. It's like, again, like I, I had basically, I probably would have gotten it during the matchler party as well. Like I, I mean, like as soon as you texted me, I tried again. I, I took two, um, rapid tests and, and came back. But you, you probably have a little bit of immunity with your just getting it. And, um, I know it's different reports from people. They said it's very unlikely you'd get it within three months of having it. Like very unlikely. Yeah. You'd be super unlucky if you got it. There have been people who got it a month after getting it and, and things like that. But like it's pretty, you know, three months seems to be the minimum. Six months seems to be the maximum of like of like you are in the clear at least. So, so the silver lining um, here is you will probably be okay during the wedding. You know, that is that is the silver lining that kept Nevis and I through this last you know, two weeks or week and a half or so, because like the, then for that whole week, it was just absolute hell. And like you talked Play about it a drugs. little bit and yeah, just, uh, you know, anything that'll kill or numb the pain. I, I don't, I have bad reactions to like cold medication. So I couldn't take any of that, which kind of sucks. So like a lot of the congestion and coughs, I just had to kind of deal with, but like Advil and Tylenol helped for headaches and body aches and, and fevers and, and, and stuff like that. But you like, still have lozenges it's, as well, um, right? Oh, tons of lozenges. Yeah. yeah. But like it was hell, man. Like I, I'm jealous of the people, you know, obviously there's people I, I'm still very lucky. Yeah. You've I, had, I got you've had your two boosters I, yeah. and your additional shot, shot and you'll get and your, like, your fourth one once when you I can. can. Yeah. Which we have to wait three or six months. I forget what yeah. it is now, but like, um, uh, and I, I felt like I got hit pretty hard by it. Obviously not as hard as people who have been hospitalized and, and have health issues and older people and, and things like that. I'm still very lucky that we're young and relatively healthy. Or weren't um, a part of that first wave when exactly. it first hit, right? So I'm still very lucky, but it still kicked my ass, dude. Like it was um, – I caught up on movies and TV shows and stuff and like a lot of TV. That's when I watched Stranger Stranger Things and Obi-Wan and, and, and I stayed up and watched Obi-Wan at midnight, even though I was in the middle of COVID and I was like, I should really be sleeping right now. But, but it's like, hard to sleep as well. Um, like you're exhausted, is, yeah. but you're also extremely lucid to the point where it's like, you just, you don't even know sometimes if you're sleeping, like you, you kind of just <laughs> yeah. lose time. Yeah. And I know none of this is movie related guys, but it's partly be- why we've not been recording. So, I mean, we'll talk about movies in a sec, but um and I know you guys just like listening about whatever bullshit we're going through, but like it was, it but your was health is most important when it totally. Comes to, so like, that's why we didn't record. And like, you know, we, uh, we gave, you know, when you got it, we kind of took two weeks off to let you. That's when I watched recover. severance. <laughs> yeah. And then we had other things and then I got it and we kind of took another two weeks off from, from when I got it. And, um, 
yeah, man, it just, it, it whooped my ass. And I'm so glad I have those three shots because like, I couldn't imagine what it was like without them. And, and, uh, it's like, uh, man, this, this thing is still out there. It's still brutal. It's It's never going to go away. Like that's, that's the thing. Like I, I think people need to really understand. It's like the flu. It's like once, once a new disease or, 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 pathology just is introduced its way the, into the yeah it's it, you know it's it's going to get better in the sense that you know you'll probably get weaker or will yeah get better. or our booster shots Boosters and, and our, our yeah our immune systems will adapt but it's it's like i mean it's like why do we still give you know polio shots and all those those shots to babies because it's still there it's still a part of the the ecosystem now yeah and like that's the thing where like to your point I think that having those, those shots and like to continue to, if you haven't gotten them yet, please do uh, get your third one. If you haven't, I know a lot of people who just got the two two and didn't bother with the third one. And I'm like, and it seems like, uh, the, the boosters kind of wane off after six months ish. Right. And then we, I was right at the five month mark when I got it. And I think you were about the same where, and I'm so glad my parents are getting their fourth shot before they go over to Croatia. So that's really great. And, um, uh, yeah, dude, like it was, it was rough. It was like one of the, like, it reminded me of that thing I caught while I was in New York on your 30th. Um, that thing kicked my ass, but they, this just felt like the worst flu, I've ever had in my life. And like, um, I had the, like the one that really felt like a flu. Cause I know not a lot of people have that one, but I not too much information, but I had like flu like symptoms that I was not expecting where like, um, where I had to make sure I kept hydrated because I, I like, I was just, I couldn't keep things down. Like I couldn't like, it was, it was brutal at times where I was like, I, I was having, and each day it felt like something different. Like each day felt like, all right, you're, you're done with that, that symptom here. Now you get this one. And like each day felt like a rotating thing of like, here's something new and you won't be able to sleep tonight, but you'll be able to do this. But then tomorrow you'll feel like that. And And as soon as you kind of get adjusted to what you have symptoms wise, you'll have something new or it'll change. Like the, the first night I had, I, I like again like the body soreness but also like i was so sensitive like and, like even just a blanket on my like on my torso felt like it was like painful um and then in the morning it was like okay now it's turned into congestion and breathing problems and oh my god dude it was the most congested i've ever been yeah like it, and i they say the exhaustion thing, like I, the second day or on the Wednesday, which was one of my worst days, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, when I was still figuring out if I had it. And then I just tested and found out I had it. I'm like, I need to have a shower. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I thought at a time I had to sit down like, and I haven't like, like, that's how exhausted I was mid shower where I was like, hunched over and just like my arm resting and just trying to wash my body and like in my hair and just every movement I'm like I think I need to sit down right now and it was like shocking and like I don't I don't want this to be the whole COVID episode but it is why we've been off but anyways I'm you, on you, the- you're now gonna be a sponsor or spokesperson you know for those um those sit down bathing things that you put in your, yeah like, like for, a little chair yeah like <laughs> we're gonna be like i dude i thought i'm that. like i i thought at that point i needed one of those because like it was it was just exhausting to do anything and the then, shower um, did feel nice i will say that for, oh totally for afterwards like, it, does, like, it did feel like that was like one of like i was taking like 
two showers a day because it was like i wish i had few... that energy at that point well, like, <laughs> it was like the, it was the only thing that was giving me like i agree like relief. even when you feel congested and stuff like that a shower and the hot steam and stuff like that always helps so i don't know i, I think talking about it is good because if anyone still hasn't gotten it and if you end up doing it like it was like i was i think both me and you eric we really didn't want to get it and you know we both have anxiety and stuff like that too and and health stuff is always what triggers a lot of my anxiety and um you know regular sicknesses i'll get if they if they last a bit too long i'm like this is it <laughs> like and this never going away this is how i am now or or this is going to kill me and then like getting covid was like the immediate when it hits you you're like you go into panic mode a little bit but then you start to go okay i need to chill i need to just deal with this thing and you know get lots of fluids and sleep and and things like that i'm still you know we've been podcasting for a couple hours and it's starting to hit me even right now as we're talking and i'm a week and a half uh out of it or 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 yeah just about a week and a half and i still find by 2 p.m ish 3 p.m ish like i start to kind of hit a wall still and um some days are better than others and depending on how much sleep I got and, and, and all that. But even right now, like my nose is a bit stuffed and, and, uh, Nevis is still going through it. Like hers is last. Uh, that's the other thing I unfortunately gave it to her. And, and that was my worst fear. Like we stayed separated for right when I started to feel a little sick, we were like, okay, separate rooms, masks on, uh, it's probably too late because, you know, I saw, I came home on Sunday. We spent time together. We went to brunch on Monday. Like we lived together. Like at that point, it's harder to avoid it. Yeah. Especially in a small one bedroom apartment. And I wasn't thinking of any of it until I started to feel symptoms. And then she didn't test positive until Thursday, which was like my third day or fourth day of already having it. And, um, so it took a while for her to, to test and, and, and get a positive result, but she ended up unfortunately also getting it. So it, it's been, you know, shitty. She's still, she was a couple days delayed from me. So if I'm still feeling it at times a week and a half later, she still is a couple days behind me. So we're obviously both, we did, you know, they only say five days. And if you feel pretty good after that, you can pretty much go out and do things, which is weird when they were originally saying two weeks. Right. But uh, we've gone out and like, we both feel good enough to, you know, and we don't have symptoms, symptoms, like other than me feeling tired, like that's and Nevis feeling tired at times and stuff like that. And having that lingering, like you don't have that contagious cough anymore. It's almost just that lingering cough or whatever. That's like, it's oh, just more like a dry you. tickle kind of thing. Yeah. And where you have to clear your throat, which turns <laughs> into this. Yep. For me, I've always had like a bad woofing like cough sometimes. So yeah, and man, also, yeah. I mean, you, it's the it, it's the summer, or we're coming into the summer months as well. And if you have allergies, that's another thing where it's like that's like okay, you know, you have to worry about is like is it COVID or is it just allergies? well? That's why I think today, like I think it is allergies because my eyes feel a little bit more too. But and we went out earlier, but um, I feel good. Like I've had I had beers the other night. Like I've gotten back. To, yeah, I had no appetite for a couple of days. Like I lost was, all like, like taste. Um, oh, you did too. Days, Nevis yeah. did too. Nevis is finally getting her taste back. And that, if you guys, if anyone knows Nevis, like food, it, she's a huge foodie and like, it's a huge important part of, uh, of her life. So like that was 
really shitty for her. And, and, you know, it's scary too, right? When you have this thing that you, you really don't, you, you don't know how long these things are going to last, right? Like, and it's, it's shitty. And, um, luckily, you know, she is getting her taste back. It's not like fully, fully back, but she's starting to, um, get it back, which is a good thing. And like, I never lost my taste. I felt like it was maybe dulled a little bit at one point where I'm like, it was harder to smell things or harder to taste, but it never fully went away for me. So I guess that's, you know, it's just different for everyone. So it's, it was a wild shitty, I'm just, I don't want my parents to get it or I'm glad they're get, getting their fourth, um, fourth dose. And well, same thing with my grandparents. Um, like they yeah. just got their, their fourth shot, um, a couple weeks ago. And it was just like, you know, it's one less thing to kind of like stress about. And, um, you're yeah, just like, okay. You know, like it's, it's something that you can recover from, but it's still not like, it's not a pleasant experience no, whatsoever. I and like, I, I just have no time now for anybody who thinks COVID isn't real. It's just like, come on, really? Or that it's like, oh, it's just the flu or it's just a cold. And I'm like, yeah, it, sure. It's, it's similar, but like, it kicked my ass way more than a cold does or 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 a flu bug that lasts a day or two, right? Masks like, should be there's... mandatory still. And like like the the best advice that I think both of us can give is just get your shots if you don't have them. <laughs> if you do, stay up to date. Um wear a mask, double mask if you feel comfortable to do that as well. Um have hand sanitizer. Obviously, these things aren't necessarily going to keep you immune, but it does minimize the risk. And that is really important, especially when people are going outside more in the summer months. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll continue on public transit and most, you know, indoor like I, I, I hate But you'll stop licking too, rails right? at least. Please stop yeah. doing that. Um, and that's what I mean. Like the bachelor party where I think I got it right. And that's the other thing. Only two guys out of everyone, which I'm so glad because there was a couple guys that came that have young children. You know, uh, my buddy Kevin recently, like literally with his, his baby, hair. his, yeah. And sweet beard. And like, uh, he just had a baby boy, like literally two weeks before my bachelor party. And then my friend, Anthony, his daughter is like 11 months, I think, or 10 months. And like, so I was worried. I didn't want those guys to get it right because yeah. I didn't want their families to be put at risk and their young children to be put at risk. So I felt really guilty um, originally. And then I was very glad that, you know, and Derek also has a, a daughter who's um, uh, I think just over 10 or 11 or 12. Um, and Luckily, I don't know if his daughter got it. His wife ended up getting it, but it was just Derek and I that that got it out of the group. So was it the hot tub? Probably. Um, but then <laughs> Hancock somehow is either immune or he just was sitting at the right angle or something like that. But then like I remember other guy like my buddy Kevin's like, oh, I sat across from Derek the whole night or people who were sitting across from me and like uh, you were sitting pretty much across from me from mm -hmm. the thing. But again, you were probably you know, knock on wood immune. Um, well, that's like even why, like when, when, so when I got sick, which was also a long weekend, which was the Easter long weekend. <laughs> um, I, that was, that was the weekend where everybody was supposed to first meet Ivor. Cause um, my, yeah. on my, my mom has, and, and, and my stepfather, but, um, and Kyle has as well, but, but like my grandparents haven't met their great grandson yet. I didn't, I hadn't met Ivor. So it was, that was going to be that weekend. And, um, 
so like the decision there was like, okay, well, we need to cancel this because obviously no one wants to get Ivor sick. Well, of course. Yeah. You know, he's not even one years old yet. So, um, but it was also, it was also frustrating because like my, my grandfather right now is, is, is not doing well. And one of the things he really wanted was to see his great grandson, you know? And, yeah. and so we did recently when everybody was tested, it was a wonderful Sunday afternoon and things like that. But yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you always worry, like still, especially for the young and old and like, you know, are you like, are you going to give it to somebody? And you, you'll never know because you, you can't determine who transmitted Oh, I don't know if who, I gave it to so. Derek or Derek gave it to me or if we or both the hot got tub it. Just had it. Or we gave, the hot tub gave it to us or someone at the Jays game. Like, it's like we kept it pretty contained to our group at the other places. Like, I wasn't worried about the keg or I wasn't worried about Stormcrow really because we were kind of isolated in our in our groups or even the dive bar that we went to, like there were some other people in that room, but like I never felt uncomfortable. Like the Jays game was the only super busy, like all the other places were busy, but that's the only place we were around a bunch of other people. And I will say like, you get a little bit more relaxed. You get a little bit more, you know, you slack a little bit when you're with a group of friends who are all drinking and you're having a good time at your bachelor party. You don't want to necessarily wear a mask the whole time. So like I probably kept my mask off a little bit more than what I usually do. Right. Like usually it's on all the time. I only take it off if I'm not around other people at a movie or something like that. Like if I'm, you know, if people are 25 feet away and it's an half empty theater, like I don't mind taking my, my mask off. Um, but for the most part, if I'm sitting around people at the movies, I'll keep it on the whole time unless I take a sip of cherry Coke or, or have some popcorn or something like that. But, um, and those are the only places I really go. And Nevis and I will go out to eat, but we're sitting at a table and, and, and like pretty private, like you're around other people, but I still feel okay about all that. But, um, yeah, man, like I'll continue to wear a mask. And even if I think I'm going to be immune for the next three to six months i don't want to risk that shit like i i don't want it again i don't want it that again yeah at all like even if now i go great i got it i have my three boosters i'm immune for three to six months i'm gonna go out and just fucking raw dog it everywhere i'm not masking (laughs) i'm like like it's i could do that but like that's definitely not what i'm going to do like we have a flight next weekend where do I want to wear a mask for a fucking eight hour flight to Croatia? No, but like I'm going to, it's just like, even though I think I'm fine. Cause I well, especially just had when other COVID. people aren't. Right. I know. And like, and you, we might be sitting with someone else in our row, right? Like that could just be raw dog in it. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want that. Like it's yeah. such a weird time where you like have anxiety just to go to places where there are other people and you might have to sit near them. And it's like, I don't know if that's ever going to go away, but like, um, like, I'm like, do I ever want to sit beside a stranger without a mask ever again? It's like, yeah, I, I cause I don't want to have to wear a mask, but then I also am like, I feel like I, for the rest of time, and unless we do get a vaccine that kind of protects you from every variant and, and, and kind of eliminates this thing completely for the most part, other than you like a flu shot, you might get it, but, um, it's wild, dude. Like it was, it was not fun. And part of me is like, I guess it was good that I lasted two and a half years, but then also like, I guess I could have got it out of the way before, but then this could have been the second time I caught it. Right. Like we have friends or it could have been worse if you uh, only had one of the shots. Yeah. So we have friends like, and I don't, again, I feel comfortable talking about me and Derek and stuff like that, but I'm not going to 
uh, talk about other people, but we've had friends who have now have gotten it a second time, right? And well, like especially if you have that. younger kids as well. Like I, I, I saw uh, my friend Peter recently at an outdoor event for his son Benjamin's first birthday, and I was talking to somebody else who, you know, like they couldn't avoid it because they had to take their kids to daycare, and then when they bring yeah, their, their kids, kids home, go to school, right? Like they uh, had schools it. are open, so it's just like. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. Yeah, he's got to deal with it, man. So do your best, and uh, I'm excited for this vacation. But like, I also don't want to wear a mask the whole time. But I guess I'll wear it in certain, you know, going into certain places and and, and different things like that. And uh, we're worried because, like, again, our wedding too. Like, we don't want anyone at our wedding to get it or before they're traveling. Like, Nevis's grandma's coming, who who's older, and we want to make sure she's safe and and things like that. So back to your point of like, I guess the silver lining is like getting it out of the way now your immune system will be a little bit stronger going yeah to and probably back from yeah like i should be good for the whole trip right like but um that was me knocking on wood everyone but yeah man i don't know it was was saying you're good for six months (laughs) i hope so dude so anyways (laughs) that's the end of the covid story in the bachelor party so that's where we um, were for the last yeah so we just really mysterious or no eric rested we had we were planning on doing things, but then like I got COVID and then we had to take another break. So that's why, you know, you're just getting your Top Gun Maverick review now. You're just getting your Stranger Things 4 review now, which like lets us digest and sit on things a little longer, which is nice and lets us kind of talk about them in a spoilery fashion because enough people have had a chance to kind of see them at this point that we can kind of just have a conversation about them, which is kind of fun. But And we're coming um, back as well in, in the sense of like we'll have a review for the first two episodes of Miss Marvel uh, yeah. being released when the embargo lifts on June 7th. So, you yeah. know, like we're, we're, we're slowly not only kind of catching up, but we also have stuff that will be released that coincides with mm. its actual release date or when the embargo has lifted. <laughs> yeah. We'll have Lightyear and Spiderhead and um, hopefully cha-cha real smooth. So and that'll the be French vanilla iced coffee from Tim Biebs. Yeah. From, yeah from our we got to review that that's got to be its own oh, on the next episode we'll or, or yeah maybe we'll do our own thing i'm definitely trying it on monday i am um, too <laughs> I, which really it'll probably taste the same as any other vanilla ice coffee that oh it'll taste like had. shit i just need that i need that cup that says beebs brew on it but uh bless you um but yeah man that's my covid story i watched a lot of tv and and hockey and and movies i tried to work doing it during it which was just the worst idea ever and like when i I, was sick as well you know your leaves were out of um because there was a lot of game sevens yeah that weekend where they were kind of yeah, they lost um, over that easter weekend yeah yeah. because so did kyle's uh, team bruins Bruins. and so Um, it was funny, like just thinking like that one weekend, how many game sevens were there? (laughs) The the first round of the NHL playoffs had like a ton of them, like the most, one of the most evers. And then, so you had COVID um, and the Leafs loss, which is like just within a span of two weeks, which is just like, oh, and that was the other thing why we're, that's the other reason why we weren't recording much because the Leafs were in the playoffs, which meant every other night there was a hockey game. So Eric and I have to record usually on the evenings or weekends because I have a day job and then the Leafs were playing every other night and that was my priority. So it was like, (laughs) I can't record the Leafs are playing. I just want to see you like after a Leafs game when like they've lost because when, when Boston lost uh, game seven, he literally curled up into a ball on the ground. But I want to see you like, like burning yourself with like, 
candle wax or something worst, like that. Like, oh. I just don't even know what I, I get the most, uh, energetic and, um, animated, uh, that you've probably ever seen me. Cause I'm a pretty mellow guy, but like, um, uh, certain things get me going and the Leafs do. <laughs> and I, I just lose my shit during playoff games. And, um, I've become like apathetic a little bit when it comes to them, like losing. Cause it happens every year. And you always so, say that you're done, but yet you come back. Like, was your dad watching this? So my season? dad was more, I'm done than I am. I always go like, I'm close, but I never commit. Right. Like I always go like, why do I keep doing this to myself? But, um, my dad last season when they lost to Montreal, cause they lost, they were up three, one in the series. You need to win four games to advance. And they lost the next three and then got eliminated by the worst team that made the playoffs. Montreal did go on to make the Stanley cup final and lose, but still this year felt like a little bit better. Cause like Tampa Bay has won the last two Stanley cups and we lost to them in a very tight seven game series. So we brought them right to the end and we lost to Tampa Bay who has won the last two years. So it didn't feel as like shitty, but it still feels shitty because it's the same result every year. And like, I'm not like, I, I, they have a good team. So it's just like, they need to get over that hump somehow. But like, yeah, and it's the Leafs have good players right now as, as well. They're right? great. Like Austin yeah. Mas- they do. Matthews is Matthews like the, one of the best players in the NHL, like probably yeah. the top five for sure. And, um, in the whole league. So that was my priority was like, I wasn't watching a lot of movies and I was just watching hockey. So like it was, there wasn't much to talk about other than some trailers that we were going to talk about, like avatar. We've missed so much, which we'll get into in a sec, but um, <laughs> the way of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is so much that we missed. And, and I um, guess like to your point with like your dad though, as well, like your dad's in his sixties, right? So yeah. like he's had more heartache oh, over yeah. the decades of them where he still was alive when young they won. and naive. <laughs> <laughs> he was nine years old or whatever the last time they won the Stanley Cup. Oh, in, so he's in, at least had yeah, but some. Experience. Do you remember any? I don't remember much no. from when I was nine, right? Like it's. I remember it, this guy named Ben who yeah. saved me once. <laughs> yeah. Um. I my dad's like I barely remember that. Right. Like imagine yeah. being my dad's age in his sixties, and he he he's really when he was a kid is the last time they won. So it's just like really. If anything, I just want them to win one for him more than me. But like, it's just sports are a weird thing, man. But like, it, there's nothing quite like it if you get really invested in um, in a team. And it, it I, I like that thrill, right? Like, even though you feel like you're part of it or you feel like it's just yours or something, even though there's millions of people who are Leaf fans, but um, and they all suffer just like I do. But um yeah man there's nothing quite like it and i've always been a sports guy and um, like i've this fine weird line of being a jock and a nerd right i've always leaned more nerd but like i played hockey and loved a lot of different sports and and i could ride that fine line between you know the jocks and the geeks even in in high school but then found myself like i don't I, i'm more on the you the cosplayed as a as a jock strap Oh yeah, for sure. That's all I wore. Uh, anyways, uh, what did I watch? But also, what? we should mention. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not a, um, a a hockey person or sports fan in general. But I mean, even the the loss of uh, Guy Lafleur, right? Who, yeah. Who passed away was kind of a big deal in the 1970s. Like, like I was talking to my mom about it, and and she's not a sports Huge. person, she's but she remembers biggest. being kind of a fan because of him of of yeah. of the Habs. 
absolutely, man. He's one of the the greatest of all time. And, um, yeah, that happened recently. And, um, hockey's such a Canadian thing too. Right. So it's just like, it's a weird thing that like Americans don't really care about. There are people who love hockey in the, in the States, the Rangers have made it pretty far and they're, they're huge and, and a lot of Rangers fans and Edmonton's still in the playoffs. So that's the one Canadian team left. They have the best player in the league, Connor McDavid. So a lot of people cheering for them. Tampa's still in it. They're playing the Rangers, uh, Colorado. What's funny about Colorado Edmonton, they're playing each other in the Western conference final, um, there's two former Leaf players that people really like. Nazem Kadri is on the Colorado Avalanche and Zach Hyman is on the Edmonton Oilers. So it's just a little bit of a pain for Leaf Leafs fans. One of those guys is going to make it to the Stanley Cup final, which I'm always part of that club that I want to see them succeed. You know, they got away from the cursed Maple Leafs. Let them win a Stanley Cup. Like I'm all, and it's almost that. kind of like vicariously. Like, they kind of are winning. They, they've been a part of the dynasty. Yeah. that You love so much. So that they yeah. are still winning in their own way. Totally. And you cheer for them because you like them when they were Leafs. So I'm all for Nazem Kadri or Zach Hyman winning a Stanley Cup. So I'm all for that. So I'm still watching hockey every night. Like I throw it on. There's one game a night. Usually there's a game starting in, you know, uh, the Edmonton Colorado game starting in as we're recording this. What game are they on? Um, they're in game three of the Western Conference final. Colorado is up to nothing. Uh, so Edmonton really needs to win tonight, but we shall see. All right. Moving on from sports and COVID. Uh, Eric, there's probably a metric shit ton of stuff we've been watching or not over the last month or so um i don't know if you want me to kick it off i can talk about lord of the rings i can talk about the yeah, boys let's talk about lord of the rings because yeah. i mean we, we've talked i mean when we say like let's talk about it we have talked about it but in terms of doing this show um but quickly i just want one more thing with this one more thing columbus sports <laughs> and just one more thing um are you because I, I I noticed that you, you were talking I mean you were talking to Kyle and Ryan quite a bit and this a lot of this stuff does go over my head but um about hockey yeah yeah are you going to join a fantasy league next year oh, I might I won I won your brother's fantasy league the first year that I was in it and then the next year I kind of fell off and I called my team the auto or the auto champions or whatever because I won the year before so I just let the computer pick my team the whole year and I came in last place um. And then I dropped out. So then they convinced me to come back. So I probably will come back next year. So maybe I'll give updates on the podcast of how I'm doing on that or let people uh, pick my team with me. Um, okay, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. So it's like a hockey team. It's basically <laughs> the fellowship. I um, yeah. So over the span that we were off from, you know, the Moonfall episode um, up until now, um, and before I got COVID, so that like three week span, I was fine. Um, Cinesphere, uh, which if you're not from the Toronto area, uh, Cinesphere is this basically giant golf ball looking thing. That's the first ever permanent IMAX theater ever um, in the world. IMAX being a Canadian company uh, invented here and, and created here. Uh, Cinesphere is a uh, independent theater owned by the Ontario government and IMAX that runs second run, usually second run uh, IMAX movies, as well as some other, just they play movies that are non IMAX uh, there once in a while. So uh, it's great for stuff that you missed in IMAX or had played IMAX years ago and you just kind of want to check it out again. They always bring back like the IMAX versions of movies and they have both a film projector 
and a um a laser IMAX digital projector. So it's like one of the best IMAX theaters, uh, at least in in Ontario, if not on the planet. Um, it's probably equally as big as the Scotiabank. The seats are worse. Um, they are not comfortable at all, which is the one downfall to that theater. Especially uh, when you're watching a movie that's like like yeah. over three hours. Basically. I made it okay, but like you got to find the right spot to sit, especially for me who's like a little anxious sitting in the middle of IMAX rows. They got to put – here's the thing. IMAX got to put a walkway in the middle of the seats. You know what I'm saying? Like if you put – just take out one row of seats in each – or one seat in each okay, row. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And then yeah. just put an aisle in the middle because – I so feel you like have the, three aisles, so you have more yes, heat, like two more on the flow, sides right? and one Less in the middle, and then that way you can get in and out easier. And I ha- I can have an aisle seat in the middle of the theater, which is the best. Um, there's only a couple of places that do that, but this doesn't, so I kind of have to sit on the side. But anyways, back to Lord of the Rings. So uh, we saw you, First Man there as well. Like, we did. We, we sat next to Denny Tiff. Roma. Always, yeah. Tiff always does like a screening per year. We saw first man there. I went and saw Dunkirk there and saw Chris Nolan Q and a during TIFF. You mean uh, the, one the year. savior of cinema. Yeah. Um, I've also, uh, I've seen tons of stuff there. I love seeing movies there. Um, random things. Like I remember seeing die hard and they played, um, which is not an IMAX movie, but then before it, they played the tenant, uh, 65 millimeter IMAX film, version of the prologue before die hard which was random and i wasn't expecting it and um yeah it's just an awesome imax theater and so they were playing the recent imax versions of the lord of the rings uh trilogy theatrical cuts they're the re-releases they did during covid so they were only released in 2021 i believe and they're based off the 4k versions the remasters that they did for 4k so they also remastered it for imax and um and digitally enhanced them for that and had the recolor coding that they did that peter jackson supervised and um so if you guys have listened or read my stuff or have known me since you know i've been doing this which is since i was in college a long ass time ago at this point i've always had this weird there's a couple of things that are, are like start off as like serious idiot younger matt uh, as a movie fan trying to be like you know contrarian or, or provocative provocative of going like i fucking hate those movies suck and you it was and Lars von Trier, uh, lord of the rings wasn't uh, original i was just like you know it's been poked fun at in fucking clerks and everything yeah, like it's just like well i'm just saying like it's well, not no, no, a, the, the lord it's, the, the it's not an like, lord of the rings is just walking it's just right? walking yeah. right and that was younger matt was like that's they're boring ass movies i don't want to watch them or i tried watching fellowship and i was bored out of my mind and i will never watch lord of the rings and that was my mentality for a long time as you get older that stuff you know we'll talk about avatar in a little bit um, and uh, I had the same opinion on Avatar w- when I was younger in college, like that it was terrible and everyone is overrated and garbage. Um, as you get older, you kind of rethink those things and you go, okay, I was just being a little bit of a, a you know, an, an asshole and just an idiot. And like, that's not actually what I think about them, but I've, I kind of committed to the bit of like, I don't like Lord of the Rings and I'm never or watching fantasy them. movies or fantasy, general. but there are things like I saw the first Hobbit movie and I saw half of the second Hobbit movie just because like they were in theaters. And, and at that point I'm like, I'll give them a shot. Didn't really care. But in the 48 frames per second, I was curious about, and it's awful. Um, so anyways, 
I get older and everyone's like, you got to finally fucking watch these movies. And uh, uh, my buddy, Mike Muntz, who's a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, uh, programmed them for the Rohrbeck International Film Festival, which Nevis did for my birthday this year. Um, and he programmed the three movies and I committed that this year I will watch all those movies that people programmed for me. It's going very slowly, but I will get through them. Um, so when the Cinesphere thing popped up, I was like, Oh, what a perfect way to like watch these movies for the first time is like see them in theaters on an IMAX screen. There's no other distractions. I sit down, I fucking watch them, give them a fair shot. (coughs) Sorry. COVID cough will come through. Um, and uh they were the remastered 4k like new transfers of them so i'm like all right i'm fucking doing it and everyone told me to watch the theatrical because they're like if you already are skeptical of these movies don't watch the extended because it's too much um for a new fan or whatever um so i went three weekends in a row started with fellowship uh i'd seen fellowship before like I think three or four years ago, I actually watched it um, like uh, on digital, like in my bed or something. I watched it like an afternoon. And, you know, when you're at home, I like half paying attention. I, I finally got through it, but I was like, I don't care. I don't need to watch the other two. Um, and uh, seeing it on the big screen, focused on it, Nevis came with me um, in a pretty packed theater that were obviously mostly hardcore fans of Lord of the Rings. Um, I had a fucking blast with it. Like I thought it was great with fellowship, the first one. And, um, you know, it does start slow. It takes a little while you get into the Shire. I never, my joke was, I never made it out of the Shire, right? Like my whole thing was like, I can never make it out. Why of the would Shire you want to leave? Cause I just fall asleep before they leave the Shire, right? Like that was my bit. Like it was, I fell asleep before Gandalf and Frodo left the Shire. So, I finally got through the Shire, finally focused on the characters and the cinematography and the action and the CG and special effects and, and everything. And, um, you know, I totally see why people think that these are some of the, the best movies ever made and one of the best trilogies ever made. And um, I had a, a really good time watching Fellowship and and actually falling in love with these characters and, and, and actually paying attention at, uh, what do you know? Paying attention helps. Um, it really, really does help. So, <laughs> should be your new slogan. <laughs> um, it really does. And um, and I'm just bad at watching shit at home. Like I'm so much better when I go to the theater. It's like a thing triggers in my brain that Matt, you are committed to this fucking thing. You're not looking at your phone. You might go to the bathroom four times, but like you'll get it. And um. I, I did go to the bathroom probably three or four times because that's not you procrastinating. Where like sometimes more... it is in certain movies, I leave and just I'm like I need a break, but not in this. It wasn't, um, and I really liked it, man. Like uh, you know, Vigo Mortensen as Aragorn, and 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 then the, the creation of the Fellowship. Like I found myself weirdly being like fuck yeah. Like I like fist bumping. Like when they start, when that score comes in, the Howard Shore score. Oh, um, Howard Shore, man. Um, he so crushes underrated. it. Yeah, he crushes it. And like when they're building the fellowship and you're like, I learned, I leaned over to Nevis. I'm like, they're fucking, they're, it's the fellowship. They're building it. And like, had, and it's ne- just had like, Nevis seen these? Before? Yeah, she loves them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I found myself getting really hyped for them building the fellowship and, and, learning about Sauron and, and fucking the ring and, 
and and uh, fucking little gremlin dude and, and Gollum and and um and like I just you love token. I was all in, dude. So like the first one had a blast. Um, jump in if you have anything to say about these, or I'll just. Oh, keep going, I, I think the but... first. I think the first one out of the three is is my favorite, especially like the further I've gotten away from it, and like even watching the Hobbit movies, and like I I like the like I loved all three, and I still do. I even like the second one, which is the weakest of the, of the three trilogy of the the Peter Jackson trilogy. But with that first movie, it it is to your point a lot of setup and backstory and character development in terms of you know who you'll be following throughout the rest of the journey. But there is something that's one. It's a it's a World War One allegory and 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 where that's coming from. Where you know this group of people you know, set out to put their own lives on the line to save the world, basically. And, and, you know, the camaraderie that kind of develops over the time and, and how earnest it is in moments. And, and especially when it comes to, you know, when characters meet their demise or when you think characters are, are going to die and when they come back and like, even just thinking like, you know, where Peter Jackson was in his career. Like you can tell that those three movies, he is completely and utterly obsessed and passionate about telling this story. And then you don't, you don't have that with the Hobbit films. And a lot of the the Hobbit movies are also, you know, there, there is obviously a, a lot of makeup and, and, and practical in-camera effects, but there's even more so in this film. And, and this was that, I mean, I've talked about this on the regular show and even with Sam Raimi, where like, you had Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson, these like schlocky B movie directors in yeah. the 1980s, getting these huge properties to make with both Lord of the Rings and Spider Man, respectively, and then crushing it. Yeah, and do and still incorporating their style. Personal, and, yeah, yeah, and and it completely coming through. And the way that like Peter Jackson was able to make the movies that he wanted to, and as weird as they are, and as fun as they are, and yeah, that first movie like you know, the scene with Sean Bean dying, spoiler alert, it is really <laughs> just him being in it is a, he's a human spoiler. Yeah. But, but like, like his, his yeah. arc is, I think amazing great. in terms yeah. of like him kind of finding redemption after wanting to take the ring, but even just the casting, like I love like someone like Ian Holm as Bilbo. Yeah. Like, I think it's like just perfect. And then the like, cast is he, just dynamite. And even sure. kind of the comparisons to star Wars with like the prestigious nature of it. Like, Ian McKellen getting an Oscar nomination the way that for like Gandalf. Al Guinness did yeah. for for the for a new hope like it there there was that time where it was like okay these kind of movies can be looked upon as 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 you high know, art <laughs> yeah exactly and and like they can get Oscar nominations like a beautiful mind and and the artist and and yet like we're still talking about Lord of the Rings and nobody talks about the artist or a beautiful oh, totally, mind or yeah. any of those movies I mean with all three of them getting best picture nominations too yeah. right and just cleaning and up and then the return of the king winning winning right? yeah it's wild and um yeah like you mentioned like just it's such a perfect story of like these these timid um um fucking what are they called uh, hobbits um that you know he gets entrusted with this thing where he has to be the one the savior and, and go through and it's just like the camaraderie between 
um, you know, him and, and Samwise and, and, you know, and then all the different kind of factions that come in and each having, like, that's what's so great about the fellowship of having, you have the, the representative from the elf and the dwarves and the, like, and the wizard with Gandalf. And like, it's just, it's, it's so cool. And, uh, I'm like, I, I don't think I've like, I'm not like a Lord of the Rings fan now, but like it made me understand why people are like, I still think I have that weird disconnect with fantasy stuff. And I weirdly like things like legend of Zelda, like the video game and, and watching Lord of the Rings. I'm like, man, if we got a legend, the Zelda legend of Zelda series on the scale of like Lord of the Rings, it would be, that would be my jam because I ha I like the source material and I, I know the lore and I know like the villain and, and stuff like that. And, and I, or the different factions, cause it's very similar. Um, uh, I would be all in on that, but then I found myself really invested in this story. So then a week later I come back for two towers and, oh, and the other thing I will say is we talked about this, uh, you know, in our Dune review and things like that, where, um, Lord of the Rings, very much one story, but each chapter fellowship, two towers and return of the King still feel like their own movies. Like they still feel like they have a beginning, a middle and an end, even though they are part of an overarching narrative between all that trilogy like it's telling one story of frodo needing to go and destroy this ring and and save middle earth and like but in that each one has a smaller villain or a thing that they need to accomplish right like there is still an end goal in that certain movie whether it's you know the two towers having to destroy them at the uh, there and and in return of the king it all coming together and like i feel like each movie has its own arc and and where they leave characters is really interesting um so two towers um something we talked about even on our stranger things 4 review um does that thing which you know a lot of middle movies in a trilogy will do or or in a series eventually has to do this to their characters it's like okay everyone came together uh now we have to separate them all and everyone has their own kind of plot for the second movie or or that ultimately will then bring them back for the finale for them to all be together again so i found myself with two towers that um i liked it but I really felt the length and I really felt like it took a very long time to ultimately get to uh, that final act, which does kick a lot of ass. Uh, I think the battle of Helm's deep is the thing people really love in the second one in two towers. But I just felt like that was the movie where the joke in my head came back of like, this is a lot of walking and not a lot's happening and it's taking a long time to get to where they need to go and i felt like not a lot of shit happened in that second movie for me to feel like it was worth while so like i still ultimately liked it and i think that final act does kick a lot of ass but i felt like when you take those characters and separate them all again i found myself less interested um you know you get a lot more golem you get um you know uh you get uh, I didn't like the Gandalf thing of like him dying in the first one and then immediately coming back. Mind you, the opening of two towers where you see like the result of Gandalf falling into that pit and fighting With that. The fucking, rock. The, yeah. I think that was dope looking. Um, but I, I like that creature too. Like, he's so just... do I, but like, I don't like the immediate, like, Oh, Gandalf's not dead or he's now Gandalf the white instead of yeah, Gandalf the gray. He's just got a new wardrobe. Yeah, like it's just like, all right. You you could have 
I think that would have been better. And I'm rewriting Lord of the Rings because obviously that's probably what's in the, the Tolkien books. But like, um, I would have loved to see Gandalf gone for the second movie and come back in the third. I feel like that would have been way more impactful for me of Gandalf's return. And then immediately at the start of the second movie, he's just, he's fine. And like, so I found like I nitpicked things here and there. Um, I like the tree guys. I know you don't really like, I, um, I don't like them because I feel like that's one of the, the, the subplots or strands with Marion and Pippin that yeah. it really does okay. slow the pace. I agree with of, that. The, like, I don't mind where it ultimately leads. And again, yeah. like the, the, like the, the idea of, of self-sacrifice, you know, for the greater good, but it's just, again, the walking and talking thing and to have yeah. Jonathan Reese davies also voice the main uh, uh, tree, uh, tree beard, uh, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, it just kind of, it's like, that's where I do feel the length and that's I where I'm kind of like, okay. This I like really the design of them it. and I like a little bit that they do, but I, like I, I totally... sleeps with his eyes open. Yeah. That's creepy. It's <laughs> creepy. So anyways, um, <laughs> oh god here it comes and the lumbus um, bread i've 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 like i want to know what that was that they what they they made that out of on, yeah, on set i'm sure we can find out um so and the golem stuff i think like you don't get his backstory oh, yeah. until the beginning of three right is that when it comes in or is it in two no two, a- two so two one you only get glimpses of him because he yeah. wasn't even fully finished design wise at yeah. that point two is when he he's very heavily character. involved yeah. yeah so that's when him when he teams up with frodo and sam and he starts to kind of lead them to the the spider cave and stuff like yeah. that yeah and then three, in three but, you get his backstory at the beginning right that's the other thing i'm not i i don't mind andy circus's performances but i've talked about this with like again going back to spider-man the the multiple personality thing i just kind of right. find like that's a little bit smeagol grading. and yeah, yeah and yeah i i thought it was fine like i golem it's not it's not it's not a you know it's it's because it's a fantasy thing i guess is like kind of where i give it a pass a little bit but like um it's not a deal breaker and then i loved return of the king and i feel like because it was so action-packed and it was the culmination of the three movies like i think that's why it was ultimately my favorite i feel like its pacing was relentless and i feel like um the action sequences were fantastic um and you know it's a class i just i think that's why i love avengers endgame and why i like you know i like the big culmination action-packed movie where everything comes together and and the payoffs are there and everything you've been building up to and it sticks the landing and i feel like return of the king very much does that. And um, I absolutely adored uh, Return of the King because I just felt like every character beat worked. Everything felt Well, just pretty. Sam, man. Yeah. Like dragging Frodo up the mountain yeah. into Mordor. It's very like, earned, right? Like their friendship yeah. is very earned throughout those three movies and you really kind of buy into it. Um, and we talked about homoerotic subtext in <laughs> Top Gun. I'm like, I feel like there's a lot here too. Where like, well, even the even, bedroom scene at the end, yeah, when all like the the, the 85 the endings that, is like yeah. really funny. Like, I actually started laughing after like the third one, and then you get like four more. Um, but yeah, the, you, I definitely took that. Either Frodo loved Sam, and then when Sam says he loves the bartender, 
at the bar and then has a family with her like Frodo's so heartbroken he goes off with the elves and the and and, and Gandalf because he's because Sam the love of his life just says like no nah, I, I actually love um this waitress or, or, or bartender. Well, it's, it's also, again, it's another world war one analogy yeah, where sure. like a lot of, of the people that didn't make it, you know, or, or that did make it even, you know, still have the scars from totally. the past. And they're always going to have to carry that trauma with them. Yeah. And like, even Frodo talks about like, even though he's healed, there's still some Something. dark weight on him. Um, and the spider like, sequence as well. Oh, the spider's awesome. Um, Aragorn throughout like Viggo Mortensen, I think is the unsung hero. Although yeah. I don't know. Cause he, I think he, maybe people really loved him in these movies, but like, I think he fucking rules in all three of these movies. Um, yeah. He, he's fucking awesome. Um, I would say Legolas, like, didn't see the hype there like i i found like i i don't love him but i do like, like the fine. look of of legolas and like I, that again like it's just an interesting like again i don't have a lot of nostalgia for the early 2000s but like you look at that cast and it is really fascinating to see where all of them Keep are legit. now because you you have you know someone like christopher lee who's passed away but at that time he was doing both the Star Wars prequels and Lord of the Rings. You had right, Hugo Weaving who was doing the Matrix, Matrix sequels and this and, yeah. and this. and then you you know you had people like Viggo Mortensen who would go on to work with David Cronenberg right after this, and then um, you know you had people that were kind of already established or were child actors like Sean Ashton and um, uh, Elijah Wood, and you know it's just it's just really an interesting period of time for a lot of these actors, and even like you know. Kate Blanchett, who has a very minimalist performance, like it's, it's really the first movie is is Gladriel. She does have this kind of looming presence throughout the, the journey, movie, yeah. and then Gimli being this weird sex pervert wanting her <laughs> hair, like you know, like there's a lot of really like weird, interesting stuff in there that is also again, like it's 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 more subversive than you would expect it to be for kind of a fantasy story and yeah yeah and like having also seen the ralph bakshi animated film that really kind of only incorporates the first two movies like that does kind of feel like okay well you know we'll never get to see the part two of that and and what yeah. have you but yeah Liv tyler I, as well Liv tyler's yeah. fine i think like the elves in general don't really do yeah, much I for agree. me. Um, it, it's everybody else I I, I like. Dominic Monaghan, who I always love because of Lost, and yeah. he did Lost right after. This, yeah, and right? again, yeah. like just looking at this as like a time capsule of where everybody was while making, you know, these movies. It's it's just really fascinating to think back. Like, oh, this was like this was I think the moment to make this film because even though there is some cgi that it has dated like the giant troll it looks things, really good though like it's, it's still better than most but i don't think it would look like you again you look at the hobbit and a lot of that stuff already feels and looks oh, dated but it looks comparison. way worse than lord of the rings i think exactly because of like the high frame rate and the super hd cameras and something like there's something about shooting this on film and just like and the CG weirdly to me, dude, like I thought of Jurassic Park while I was watching this where I'm like, I'm shocked that 20 plus years later now, right? Or 20 years almost exactly, right? Yeah. Um, uh, 20 years later that this holds up as well as it does. I agree with you that there are certain things here and there that just 
don't you can tell it's very early in in the fully cg character kind of thing but Gollum looks pretty good like um the, the tree, orcs are amazing the like, orcs that, look that incredible because it's yeah because it's mostly practical right like they look fantastic and that mix of practical and cg i think is the combo dude and that's what i want to see more from movies today is like you use cg to almost enhance things or create characters that you couldn't through makeup and stuff like that and i think that's why like even james gunn has exceeded in guardians because of all the practical effects on a lot of the aliens and and different people that he has in those movies and even modern star wars has gotten away from cg and even in something like obi-wan that's on right now like they're using a lot of practical makeup and and puppets and and things like that which both leads to you know the charm of it because it's got that kind of like janky charm of the original star wars movies but then like in this i just feel like the orcs look incredible a lot of the cg holds up to me like really really well and that's one thing that i was surprised by because i was worried going to watch these 20 years later that that shit wouldn't hold up and i found myself like you guys everyone who listens know how as much i love jurassic park and i feel like that first jurassic park movie still looks better than like at least 80 percent of the movies that come out today like the the cg in that movie which is just i can't even believe that um i feel like they've secretly like updated it slightly every year since it came out or something so it still looks good um but anyways yeah lord of the rings all three movies really had a great time Uh, i totally understand why people love them i don't necessarily love them um i you have a new appreciation appreciation yeah like i gave return of the king a 4.5 i gave fellowship a four i gave uh two towers a three i think so like i i still really enjoyed all three of them especially as a whole and it even made me go Am I going to watch the Hobbit movies? And I was like, no, no, don't I'm do not it, man. Going to, so I don't even have an interest in watching the Lord of the Rings Amazon series. Like, I will, I will gladly throw on the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, as like even a seasonal thing. Because like when I first saw them was was when they were being released, and like it was like a family thing where like, um, you know, the the whippy AMC complex when it was yeah. AMC you know has a denny's there and we would all go to denny's and then go to the lord of the rings movie remember the shire sausage after the hobbit (laughs) yeah and so like like with that like it kind of became like this holiday kind of you know association with with lord of the rings or even with some of the harry potter movies when they were being released in like the, the fall or winter months um but yeah it's it's one of those things where like you you know you you talk to people that truly love it. Like I remember when we, we had like, you know, a, a, a friend of ours who we haven't talked to in a while, but uh, Devin Garabedian who yeah. is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Um, Got another drink. Nice. Just, what is it? I'm having a Jose Cuervo Playa Mar uh, hard seltzer mango. That's what I'm nice. going to go with. So, but yeah, it, it's, it's just like one of those things where it's like, I do feel there is a, like there is a timeless quality to yeah. those movies, even though like it was using the effects of the early of 2000s the and things like that. And again, going back to like casting, like thinking Orlando Bloom at that time was one of the biggest movie stars with the pirates films and kingdom yeah. of heaven and, and black Hawk down and stuff like that. And now like you look at him, he's just basically <laughs> Mr. Katy Perry. Um, so True. yeah, like, it's just like, it's just, it's just interesting as like a time capsule as well for like, you know, our, our age group. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And, um, it's interesting that those hobbits, hobbit movies, even bringing back a lot of the cast, like just did not work. And it's, um, it's cause they spread it so thin. Like yeah. the hobbit is like, 
is like this. You should have just made one movie, right? In yeah, two at the most, but that like it was supposed to only be two movies. And then like I, I, the the behind the scenes of that, I think, is more interesting than the movies because remember Guillermo del Toro was supposed to uh, direct those films, but they yeah. kept getting delayed because of the strike uh, in New Zealand, the the the, the, the film workers uh, right. strikes, and so like it kept. Peter Jackson getting... just came back and did them right. Yeah, and you can tell Peter Jackson like his approach to it, even though. He was very strategic and organized in how he structured, you know, shooting them. They're just, it was an obligation at that point. Like even the way he talks about them now, the Hobbit movies, he, he almost like apologizes for making them <laughs> because like he realizes that there's no, there, like the passion he had for the the Lord of the Rings is not there in the Hobbit. And yeah, these the were Hobbit, mostly just a cash grab, right? Yeah. And even like with like the, the moments that work in the Hobbit, like I, I do like schmog, but um yeah, just it just kind of feels like it is spreading itself way too thin and there's really not a lot there. The CGI is terrible. You mentioned the forty eight frames per oh, second. God, thing being, you saw that in forty eight, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it looks like I mean, like a lot of people compared it to like watching like a daytime soap opera or like sports thing. And it, it's worse when you have practical or yeah. real sets you really can tell that artificial. it's like, yeah you really can tell when it's that hyper clear and smooth yeah, and the it's makeup like, too like it looks like it looks like something you'd watch on bbc in like the 1970s yeah, agreed or you're watching like a stage show like a yeah. high school production of lord of the rings starring like, Gemma otterton so i'm curious about the rings of power i didn't love the trailer um i thought like i just don't know if you can do like i look it the cg in that looked worse than in the movie and that's both because this is tv it's not a movie but amazon is dumping millions of dollars into this um i don't know man like i'm i'll the give the only like, thing i am excited about with the uh, the power is it the rings of power the rings of power which would be a better title for a, a shang chi sequel sure yeah. um is that uh morphic clark of saint maud is playing yeah Ladriel, and that's and i think olivia no, Olivia Cook is in the Game of Thrones prequel, right? House of Dragons, right? Yeah, okay. See, that's yeah. the other thing where it's all going to get yeah. kind of like fuzzy. But but again, like you also came late to Game of Thrones, but you did yeah. watch it all and and even though you know, the last couple Game seasons. of Thrones <laughs> was a wet fart of a of a final couple seasons, you could understand more why people liked it. Totally. I loved to I actually really loved game of thrones up until those final seasons like i actually was really into that and i will watch that prequel just because i saw that trailer and i'm like god damn it yeah i'm i'm in i will well, it has your favorite shot. morbius actor um, in it matt smith yeah yeah oh god let's talk about that um Fuck. no <laughs> jared leto took the one thing we had away from us which was the humor and now yeah. we don't even have that good lord um, one thing I'll let you jump in Eric soon, but before, yep. um, we see what you've been, uh, watching or listening, uh, not watching or just watching. Um, I watched the first three episodes of the boys, uh, season three. I have seen five total. Um, I'll talk about them over the next couple of weeks, but, um, just quickly, I know it's, uh, you haven't caught up with the boys yet. I, I don't know if it's like, it. that's what I mean. Like, is it just, is it something that it just doesn't interest you or just, no, I too just much think it's TV? just, there's just too much, yeah. there's too much content, Matt. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I just briefly wanted to, to touch on it because like, uh, it is one of my favorite shows on television. I think, um, uh, it, it is one of those shows that, 
I don't think about that often. Until it's uh, on, right? Yeah. And then you forget how fucking good it is. <laughs> and um, it's just, I, it's the perfect satire to America. I tweeted this, but to like American culture and superhero culture. Like, I feel like it's just at the perfect time of so much going on in the United States and superhero fandom being at its absolute peak that I feel like it is just one of the best shows on TV because it can kind of take down both of those things. And uh, I just, Anthony Starr, who is the the lead as Homelander on the series, like is one of the most terrifying villains I've ever seen in a superhero property or just on TV in general. He plays such a great evil Superman that uh, every episode, he just looks like the most menacing he looks like bizarro Bradley Cooper. Like if Bradley Cooper was Superman, his bizarro would be Anthony Starr's Homelander. And like, it's just, he's so menacing and, and, and fucked up and disturbed that um, he, he does love milk. You know, that um, Elizabeth Shue in that first season, there's some interesting stuff. And then just going on to even that reference is like, I'm constantly shocked at what they one get away with in this show and two just do. And it can borderline on, you know, when something uses this much violence or sexual content or cursing or, or anything like it can borderline on juvenile, but I think it kind of surpasses that in the sense of like what we talked about with James Gunn's, the suicide squad and that kind of trauma or or super, uh, or super like that splatter kind of um, so graphic violent that like it just kind of both adds to the comedy and just the disturbing nature of the show. And the show is a comedy a lot of the times, but then touches on some very well, According serious, to the Emmys, it's a comedy uh, or is it a drama? See, that's the, the thing. It's so hard to kind of categorize it because I, I think of it as a satirical black comedy, but it has a lot of dramatic elements in it and i feel like it's one of those satires that like it doesn't even have to do that much other than show you you know what's going on in the u.s but using superheroes as a way to kind of showcase that and it's not even necessarily doing anything unique other than presenting it to you uh but just presenting it to you through this lens just kind of is a reminder of how fucked up the United States is. And I just feel like using superheroes and them as, as kind of a way to take down celebrity culture and take down fandom and, and, and things like that and toxic masculinity and, and sexual assault and, and racism. And, uh, you know, I, I boggles my mind that Amazon is releasing this show because the way that they portray Vought, which is like this big evil conglomerate, um, is just, kind of ironic that amazon is the one putting out this show and like i I just i'm absolutely in love with it and i feel like uh it is weirdly underrated like it is very kind of niche i guess in like superheroes are gigantic but it is a show that's kind of poking fun at at people who love superheroes and and just superhero movies and and that culture as well as you know the a lot of shitty people in the United States, whether it's far right people, but then they also tackle the left and there's like, it it kind of doesn't really pull any punches to anyone. And I feel like it does a good job at not feeling like it's 
um, lazy in any of that kind of stuff or just kind of punching downward or, or any of that. And it's not necessarily even the smartest thing you've ever seen, but it's just so consistently good in, in, in who it's kind of poking fun at. And, and then on top of that, you have a story, just a very simple kind of superhero storyline of like this, this evil piece of shit who is the leader of essentially a real life justice league. And he just secretly, you know, and it, it tackles, I think what's interesting about celebrity culture is like using superheroes for that of like, they do all these horrible things, but they look great to the public eye and all that kind of stuff. And it's mass marketing, right? Yes, exactly. And it tackles marketing and PR and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I just, it's one of the best shows on TV. And I feel like if you are a Marvel fan or a DC fan or, um, and you haven't checked out the boys, I highly, highly suggest it. And it's not for everyone. It is one of the most violent TV shows I've ever seen in my life. Like it is so graphic in, in some of the things that it depicts that I am constantly shocked and I am not someone who like turns away or gets grossed out or or you've seen a lot i've seen a lot and like i don't usually nothing really surprises me anymore but i will say like at least once an episode or once every few episodes something happens on the boys where i'm like i cannot believe they just showed that or they did that and like a lot of it just ends up with people exploding and there's blood and guts everywhere or like just the the most extreme gore i've ever seen on someone's face or body or or whatever um and then there's just completely like it it's kind of got that game of thrones element where because these are all original characters right like anyone could die any, at yeah any time. at any moment so that adds such it's such a refreshing thing for a superhero thing right because like if you're watching because there is mortality involved right like, yes it's not like like you have to wait for like three or four movies. And then maybe if the actor doesn't want to come back and reprise the role, they'll, they'll drop them off a cliff and and they'll come back for a prequel four movies down the line. But like it's in this, it's like someone you might think is going to be the biggest part of the show might die four episodes later. And just like the way that they satirize even certain superheroes, like Jensen Ackles is on this season and he's, he's satirizing captain America and there was a soldier boy, right? uh, Yeah. He plays soldier boy. uh, Tell him, um and or the way that they there's a scene with a character that's satirizing ant-man called termite um that was like i eric it was one of the most shocking things i've ever seen in my life and like it continued in homelander with superman like the seven is the justice league and then the one and then there's a whole avengers version too and like uh, what i just mentioned is like anyone at any time could explode and die and then you just have this whole other team of the boys uh carl urban who i just find is one of my favorite working actors and i always forget that as well until I he's in lord of the rings as well there he is yeah i was thinking of that exact same thing and like i love seeing carl urban pop up and stuff um uh jack quaid is really great too like uh, i i really kind of like we just saw in scream in scream and uh i thought he was really really good of dennis Uh, yes and son of dennis and uh i just feel like it's one of those shows that you even get invested in some of the smaller things that are going on. And the, the a plot is, you know, it changes season to season, obviously, but like Homelander has been that central figure. And I just feel like it picks up right where it left off and ends up being like one of the, the best shows on TV. And with that in invincible on Amazon, like I find like they have two of the best adult superhero kind of, uh, 
shows because Invincible is the same way where Invincible is not satirizing per se. Like they do, you know, take inspiration from real superheroes and kind of make their own version of those. Um, Invincible is more of a serious, the boys is very serious too, but it's straightforward. It is a superhero story. It's just uh, an adult version of it where this is just a, it's a satire through and through. And I feel like it does such a great job of taking down Fox news, big corporations, uh, you know, both uh, protests and, you know, there's, uh, they make fun of that Pepsi commercial with Kendall Jenner, where she gave the cops a Pepsi and that like, it's very obvious stuff. Like it's really just inserting one of the superheroes in it and just completely ripping that off. But then just showing you the absurdity of that, uh, I think really works in something like this. So, uh, yeah, I I'm loving the boys season three and I'll kind of each episode, I'll kind of come back and, and let people know how I'm feeling, but uh, I really think you should check it out, dude. I know like there's so much TV, but, um, I know you were kind of a supernatural boy, right? And this is, yeah, uh, I, I really like Jensen Eccles quite a bit. As, and this is uh, Eric Dean Kripke. Chester. Yeah. And, and so, um, if you go on, if you go on YouTube, I'm sure there's like a, uh, um, a super cut of uh, Jensen Eccles saying Sammy. Uh, oh, yeah. He's a good, he's a good yeller. Sammy. Um, yeah. I mean like I, what you're, I, I think probably like th- that comparison to Invincible, like watching that, I didn't really have any expectations, but after having watched that first season, I am still, maybe this is a little bit different because with the boys, you're kind of like, okay, like I, I, I'm interested in it when it's on, but then when it's done, I don't really think about it. But with Invincible, I'm actually kind of like excited to go back to it. But on top of that, I think the best version of a fucked up Superman ever made, in my opinion, is Omni-Man. And and having J.K. Simmons voice him, like they did something with that character who is usually always a catch 22 or catch all kind of thing where it's like, you know, there's nothing that can defeat that person. And there's always, you know, Mm -hmm. if there is, it's, it's kryptonite and it's just used in such a poor way. But like with this, they actually made him kind of an interesting character without completely having to revert the whole tone of the series into a kind of Batman esque dark brooding thing. Like there is those elements there, but it's not all that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um it's more warped than it is sort of just completely morbid. Um and then yeah, like going back to, you know, the question I have for you, like do you think overall that The Boys is better suited as a series than initially it was supposed to be a film or a film series with like like Adam McKay at one point was going to direct um, a feature film version. I mean, I'm glad. And ironically, you know, who's involved in both of these Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> like he produces both this and invincible. So you can kind of see the stuff that interests him in the superheroes genre. Um, yeah, no, I think it, it definitely, I couldn't imagine it as, as movies. I guess that's maybe when you see that you see how much they jam pack into these seasons of, of television that I couldn't imagine them as, as movies. And I feel like they do earn their runtime and do earn their length and stuff like that. And I, and shout out to Amazon for doing that weekly. I mean, they dump three episodes that, which they always do. Apple TV does this as well, where they try to get people hooked with three episodes and then they do a week to week, which I kind of like that format. Um, uh, where I, I do feel like three episodes is sometimes too much, for certain TV shows, but 
Um, well, we talked about Stranger Things. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Where I don't like I, I'm I I think this is a better better show to kind of take your time with, but I understand binging it as well. And I couldn't imagine it as movies, so I'm, I'm kind of cool with it being a, a show. And and um, I just like that idea of like if superheroes existed in modern 2022, how would we deal with that? And well, even Watchmen, and, right? Like, like yeah. I feel like with the HBO version of Watchmen, like you're now getting stuff within sort of the, the, the mainstream comic book sort of lore with Marvel and DC. And then you're getting stuff like invincible and the boys and HBO's Watchmen that are kind of grappling with that idea of like, what would a real superhero be? Watchmen does it best. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Of those, uh, but I'm, but I'm talking about like all those, all those shows that I just mentioned, those three shows, they kind of fit into that interesting kind of like subcategory of superhero um, sort of uh, paraphernalia and fascination where like it kind of feels like it is tackling stuff that Marvel and DC maybe at times can hint at or kind of yeah. reference, but they could never really exactly because and that's why it's so they great get in trouble or they, they, it can't be R rated. And right? that's, what's great about, I think all three of those things. Right. And why I think I love them because I love the MCU for different reasons. Like it is just popcorn kind of serialized, you know, entertainment where I feel like these go into some territory that like you just said, marvel could never do or they have to kind of tread lightly or just kind of skim the surface of it um and this show tackles everything like it 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 won't pull any punches on any topic that is pretty prevalent in today's society so i think it's interesting putting that lens and taking the biggest genre in the world and applying it to real world things um in a very you know, funny but serious way. It, it's a really, really great show. So I'm pumped that it's back. And so I've been watching that. Um, and like other than that, like let's. What have you been watching? I know we both been watching Barry. Thank you. I might Ooh, eat what do you while have we're. There? I might eat while we've been. So was that a hot a dog? Time. No, it's like a like a Philly cheesesteak sandwich thing that we nice. that Nevis made so nice uh, anyways i'll let you eric what have you been watching barry you want yeah, to talk about yeah let's talk about barry i think that like again we're we're, we're getting close to the end of season three and it, and it is interesting you know you mentioning with the boys like you haven't really thought about like the season two and and since watching it and yeah. now getting back into it you're kind of barry's the again. same way a little bit yeah but i think part of with barry as well not because again I can't vouch for the boys here, but everything you're saying, like Barry, those first two seasons were, were great. And like, it left you on a cliffhanger that you did want to continue, but so much time passed between season two and season three that, you know, you have other shows and movies and life obligations and, you know, to kind of deal with that. You do kind of over time forget, you know, how well-written a show uh barry is and and how smart it is with satirizing both hollywood and the the industry of tinseltown but also sort of like from the point of view of somebody who has a lot of mental health issues that is working on themselves and how they affect other people and also this person being basically a deadly killer on top of that. So when season three came in in that first episode, which, you know, each one feels 
like it's 20 minutes and then it's over really when it's when it's a half an hour show um like it, it never overstays its welcome and it always leaves you wanting more but there are things in each episode that build beautifully from the last two seasons but also kind of build naturally within the framework of um its own season and telling, you know, a complete story from beginning to end and how everything connects in a way that isn't necessarily intricate to very completely, but has some sort of um, ramifications because of him and how things kind of work, not only in the immediate sort of time span we're following Barry in this story, but everything that's kind of led up to Barry's sort of past and what he's done then and why he's trying to redeem himself and find redemption. And even the way his relationship has changed with uh, Henry Winkler's uh, Mr. Cousineau, uh, which I keep wanting to see like some sort of parody of Mr. Cousineau's Quiznos, uh, which would be incredible. But like watching those two this season and Barry trying to, you know, get Mr. Cousineau's forgiveness and the way that Henry Winkler just looks at Barry now compared to how he saw him in those first two seasons. It's some of the best work that Henry Winkler has ever done. Absolutely. Um, mm. The writing is just so, so exquisite in, and how it handles character, but also plot and how it builds to kind of big moments of suspense, but also kind of has interesting things to say about where we are right now in both, you know, not only society, but just like, again, like in how Hollywood and sort of onset sort of behavior is tolerated and not tolerated and who is the villain and who's not the villain and how complicated things are and how also we can't resi resist certain impulses that we need to kind of um, act upon. And that is a part of our DNA, like the way that Barry kind of continually, if something bad happens in, you know, his regular life, he kind of goes back to being a hitman but then you also have someone like steven root's character who has these options these these way these these ways to leave the business and find happiness but there's just something inside him that needs to get back at barry or or one up him or or weirdly even kind of like get barry to love him again or need him again and be dependent on him that i find absolutely fascinating um and it's just like you're watching those moments and you're thinking to yourself like one again they're so well written but on top of that the references that that both him and Alec Berg are making to international cinema throughout this entire thing like it doesn't feel like it's just referencing genre filmmaking anymore like there are so many interesting references to films from the Middle East and films from uh, Asia and films, uh, you know, from around the world. Well, he's a like, huge oh. cinephile, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Bill Hader, I mean, like, if you've ever seen, like, his adventures, uh, the, the Criterion Channel adventures in, in, in cinema, like, he is a true blue movie fan to the point where, like, he's referencing Kirstami and things like that. And then you're watching that play out in episodes of Barry and you're just kind of like, wow, like I never would have thought I would see something like this in an English language TV show that is very dark and, and, and again, 
funny too actually funny but, but also niche because i mean it, there is an intellectual quality to it even though it's never condescending um to anybody watching it but there usually are, inside like, baseball sometimes when it comes to hollywood and like yeah but 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 even those things feel very real like there's there's one bit in the last episode where um uh, vanessa bayer of, of snl is kind of like basically taking this meeting um with sally and like how that sort of interview goes and like how like it's like the thing that we're looking for we can't actually articulate but we have we can make sound effects for you know um and it's just like it's so ridiculous but even like some of the sight gags are amazing like when henry winkler is you know escaping barry's clutches in episode two and he runs through the backyard oh my god of the, a couple's house and, like... and it's like you know they're they're breaking up and you're watching this like weird side story that we'll never see anything else from again but in that moment it feels like it's their show and then like they're talking about like okay the part of the reason why you know this couple is breaking up is because they have too many dogs, <laughs> too many dogs. <laughs> and then like it's a stupid sight gag but like seeing henry winkler run across the backyard you know from the framing view of like you know this this kitchen table situation and then all these dogs chasing after him. it's, it's like, so good dude it, gets, and that's, it, it earns those moments and that's what the show is so great at and it it's not many people can do this but it's that fine line between drama and comedy right where the show is at like i i forgot how shocking and dramatic it can be at times and like the storytelling is so great but then how funny it can be and like with having comedians like Bill Hader and Stephen Root and 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 uh, Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler, you know? like these great dramatic roles, but then can also insert those comedic moments that don't feel out of place, and that's what's always like. I find myself laughing out loud multiple times per episode during Barry. It's one of the funniest shows on TV, and then on top of that, I just feel like it's telling a really compelling story about depression and Hollywood. And PTSD and just uh, uh, toxic masculinity and and abusive just like relationships. abusive relationships and like all of this stuff and then has those shocking you know moments of him you know being a hitman whether it's showing his past as a hitman or what he has to do uh, in way more interesting ways than like something like Dexter did right where Dexter has to kind of cover his tracks but he was made to be like a likable character for the majority of that series where they're really not pulling any punches of making Barry likable right like he is a likable guy because he's Bill Hader and he's charming kind of and you know he he seems like he's he's earnest at times but he's in so deep into this you know secret life he has that like when they show those elements and how ruthless he can be at times is like it's genuinely shocking and then like yeah just having these great comedic actors like steven root is the guy who completely always impresses me where i'm just like you know i i never think of him as that character but he's doing such a good job um on this show is when is he cute. goes to get milk by milking the goat in that first episode it where he's me. just like, chilling on that farm and he's just loving life and, and no ho like, hank and like oh even my god like, yeah shout out to anthony kerrigan too because like no ho hank is just one of the top tier tv characters yeah and just everything like again even with with sarah goldberg as, as sally like what she's going through and like the meeting she's like she's trying to create this the sh algorithm you know, meeting the, that that is amazing with elizabeth the, oh my god where, the like, junket is so good too 
where where they're talking about like okay well you know like the algorithm you know the taste algorithms or whatever it's like it, it, it you need to have these certain things and like how frustrating it is but also how it's kind of mocking like things like rotten tomatoes where it's like well you know just because you're a critical hit doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an audience crowd pleaser either and the other show that's kind of copying you even though it got a really bad rating it's tracking better than than the thing that you're on and like you know that relationship between like even her and her assistant like i think that that's interesting as well because she treats the you know her friend who's also her assistant um kind of the in the same way that barry you know and her are, are kind of handling things and like it's just it's it's just it is an interesting kind of trickling down effect of like how people treat each other is the way that they'll treat other people because that's the way that they've been taught to behave or the, the, the way that they've lived for so long. And then in this last episode that again, it's such a simple joke, but it is so amazingly done where you have everybody going to this, um, uh, cafe or this dessert place to get uh, <laughs> the beignets. beignets and Jake's the beignets, beignets guy, or whatever. Jake's who's beignets. like who's basically like a therapist for everybody that comes. In. But he's this like stoner surfer dude, and it's so funny. he's like a Zen master, and that's what it's so good at that repetitive comedy that you never think you're going to keep going back there. But it like it's the rule of three, right? Like you you go back, and it's funnier every time that you go back, and and the action and, too, like that highway yeah, dirt is so good merger sequence is incredible like that's something like like i hope tom cruise sees that and is like okay we need to do something like this in the next mission impossible movie or something because um, like that is as as good as any mission impossible movie i agree um i think uh the or even when they get to the um the the uh the car dealership the used car dealership oh, yeah. that where sequence that goes. itself is incredible dude <laughs> and then like the junket sequence is that inside baseball kind of thing as film critics and interviewers who have, have gone through that process it's like it's something you is really funny to people who have experienced that and if you haven't hey, you're probably <laughs> yeah like if you haven't experienced that i feel like that might not land but then if you have experienced it, that joke, the junket bit in that episode is so fucking funny. And, only and it's someone, ruthless too. Yeah. And only someone who has gone through that, like I'm sure Hater and the rest of this cast has done multiple times. It's like they can poke fun at that and, and, and poke fun at the journalists that – participate in those things and ask those types of questions and um you know the repetitiveness of a of a junket and all that kind of stuff and those kind of weird things that inside hollywood kind of stuff i think works just as as well as um as some of the more kind of mainstream humor and things like that i want to give a shout out also to uh i didn't expect to see the dude from jurassic park in this season um the guy from the beginning of jurassic park oh, yeah who yeah finds the amber yeah, he's um, a, a character actor that was in a lot of '90s stuff. Yeah. He was in one of the um, um, Jack Ryan films as well, and Joe Montana <laughs> as Joe Montana. It's so funny! It's so funny. Him talking about Fat Tony from The Simpsons. I was like, "This is incredible! This is so funny!" Um, it's it's so it's so good. It's yeah, it's so good. it's one. Of, it is truly one of the best shows out there right now and and i'm kind of bummed that there's only two episodes left but at the same time it's like it's it's one of those things where i don't want it to be gone for so long but if it is at least i know that they'll take like obviously there's there's so much effort being put into each episode um 
and you can tell like there's there's no moment that ever rings false like it just is one of those shows like that's right now it's at its peak i think and everything it's done has been perfect like even the end of the last episode dude and, i have no idea where it's going and like um yeah yeah it's I, it, it's this exciting. whole arc on this season has been really and like what you said it's like it's building on elements that have happened in previous seasons and like each season has its own arcs and stuff like that much like we just talked about lord of the rings but it feels like everything is building to this point and how they take the fuchs character and and his bitterness towards barry and and um and yeah where they take the um uh the the mr Cousineau character and stuff like that like there are times where barry can go from terrifying to funny and just like it's uh it's awesome like shout out to to bill Hader because like this seems like a, a passion project for him and like showing his talents of as both a, a director and a, and a writer and an actor, because they have now said that he's directing every episode of next season, right? Like he's signed to do, be good. um, to do the whole thing, which is awesome. So good. For well, him. that one episode that everybody talks about, I think in season two, where like it, like it's like that one, like take within the house and like him literally being beaten up by the karate guy. And then like the kid chase like that. It's amazing. Like it truly is one of those shows where it's like it you can never truly expect or be able to predict where you know you maybe have an idea of like okay these are probably the options of where things will end but then like how you get there is like okay i never would have seen it going in this direction whatsoever even like the moment where you have you know barry getting mr Cousineau back on set and, and another shout out to uh mark paul gosler aka uh, uh zach morris from saved by the bell on uh the the fake show that everybody watches uh right. laws of humanity or yeah like, yeah yeah where, where like i love when like um mark and and barry are having a conversation it's like mark's like yeah i was thinking about getting in the military but i just it's never happened and then it's like they get like ready for like the set it's just like and then you're like holy shit that's mark but that's more Paul Gosler. That's it's Zach funny. Morris. It's so funny, dude. And like even the flashbacks to him in the army and it's all just like, it goes to places that I, I just completely didn't expect. And like, even with that karate episode that you're talking about of is like, it's, it's that weird. It, like, it's almost so absurd that it shouldn't work. Right. No, it, but it does. And I don't know how he pulls it off, but like it, it is fantastic. It's really, really, really good. Or even with like the one FBI agent who, um, served beside barry who yeah. comes back into the the cops the, the police <laughs> call me big cat <laughs> i laughed so hard i laughed so hard and oh like just little things like that where he's introducing himself and the cop goes call me big cat <laughs> no what oh and my just, god and just that guy's reaction is like are you fucking serious <laughs> Great. We've been watching a lot of TV, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, I haven't been watching a ton of movies. I want to catch up with the Jurassic Park movies before Jurassic World Dominion. Well, good luck. I um, mean, you have less than I have like a, a week. Week. Yeah. Like, I have like I have to watch one per night. Uh, and if I'm going to see Top Gun in 40x tonight, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I'll at least watch maybe Jurassic Park and Jurassic World because I feel like that's probably all you need <laughs> to like maybe kind of watch leading into this but like I don't know if you could um, get through Fallen Kingdom again. Dude, I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters. Um and I don't know if I could either, but 
Uh, the kind of funny guys did a in review series, which kind of sometimes motivates me to get through them because then I can listen to the podcast after. And uh, I got to hear Greg Miller because he he was the only one defending Fallen Kingdom, and he like he said he liked it and he thought it was the, one of the best Jurassic Park movies. And everyone's like, Greg, you have to be stopped. That's no no one thinks that. Um, so I don't know. I. I I'm excited. I'm not excited. Excited is not the wrong word. I'm curious about Dominion. I know it's already out in some international territories and stuff. So um, I, I think know. I'm just relieved that it's almost over. I agree. At least these movies, because I'm sure they'll do more down what the do line. Do? But at probably least reboot the ones it where, in 10 years or something. Like yeah. That. Colin Trevorrow are, are done. The Mr. <laughs> yeah. DNA Jurassic World films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you've been watching that you want to talk about or you want to just, get yeah, I mean, I, we, we also have been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, which, which we, I, I think we'll you, do a separate episode yeah. on probably maybe when it's done, but yeah. And do like a spoiler um, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it so far, but speaking of Viggo Mortensen and Howard Shore, yeah, you saw um, I watched the, the new David Cronenberg movie, which I actually really liked quite a bit. Is it top tier Cronenberg? I don't know as of yet, but at the same time, it's a film that I keep thinking about, but I always, the best Cronenberg movies when he presents his ideas, which are usually streamlined and singular in terms of, okay, he's always interested in how new developments within the body affect society or change the environment and how everybody adapts to the situation. And with this, you have a dystopian future where, people can grow new organs and um, it basically has become sort of like this pastime kind of thing where performance artists, you know, played by uh, Viggo Mortensen and Leah Seydoux um, remove um, those organs from Viggo Mortensen's character, um, Sal Tenser. And like you, you, you think to yourself like, okay, like this is like a really weird you know, dystopian future where like performance art is valued or considered to be like the most entertaining thing uh, left and the film being shot all in Greece, but at the same time in, in Athens specifically, like even though it's such a beautiful location, he finds the most kind of rustic and corrosive sets. And most of it kind of feels like you're watching a play because it is very exposition heavy and philosophical in its conversations about the environment, about the next step in evolution of, of humankind and where we are and, and where we're progressing. And it's also weirdly, I don't want to say, cause, cause I feel like something like existence and videodrome are, are more, pessimistic but it's almost kind of like at a point where it's it's comfortable in accepting where humanity is ultimately gone or going because it's like oh the future's here now and you know this is where we are and this is kind of what we deserve and like there's this whole subplot about um this sort of group of plastic eating rebel rebels who like again like your insides are now adapting to the part place where you know you can no longer eat regular food you are now eating um man-made environmental waste and plastic and things like that and so now you become like a, a basically a a cleaner of the environment or a bottom feeder in a weird way and then you have all this stuff with um the national organ registry with uh, don mckeller and kristen stewart who you know are, are kind of the last line of the government 
um, working as this agency that tattoo um, new and unidentified organs. And again, it's all very heady. It's all very kind of deadpan and it's delivery, sometimes extremely humorous. Um, it's grotesque only in like, I, I don't think if you are a Cronenberg fan, you will not be as disturbed by it if you've never seen a david cronenberg movie before then yeah you might be weirded out by the body modification and mutilation and things like that but honestly it doesn't feel like anything outside of you know the comfort zone of what cronenberg has already presented and stuff but it is a continuing conversation that i think is always interesting and it's Cronenberg just has a lot of ideas that when you're watching it, if you're into what he's talking about, they do make you think about where we are as humanity and even where Cronenberg is. Because like, I feel like the performance artist thing is analogous to who Cronenberg is because you look at like where Cronenberg started his career in, in, you know, the late 1960s and then into the seventies making schlock B movies that were considered reprehensible by the Canadian ratings board to the point where he was charged and almost put in jail for making movies like rabid and shivers. And now anytime we discuss a Cronenberg movie or a body horror film or anything that's adjacent to his style, we're complimentary of his work and, you know, call his stuff Cronenbergian or like, you know, like look at T10 last year. Right. I mean, so it's interesting to see like the performance artists in this kind of being originally like outsiders and on the fringes of society, but now being kind of put on this pedestal and oogled and awed by the remains of society in a kind of celebrity celebratory manner. But at the same time, the performance artist still feeling kind of like, I don't know about this. This is weird for me because you people have always kind of demonized me for the longest time. And now you're kind of like coming to me for um, entertainment or philosophical advice on something. And so like that, I found really interesting as well. So there is a lot going on there. And even if you don't love the movie, I think the one thing that a lot of people will dig is Howard Shore's score, which kind of is this weird, just Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> no, it is it, like, it's one of those things where it's like, it, I don't want to say it's necessarily synthy, but like, it kind of feels like it borrows a little bit of synth from, you know, from the last maybe like 10 years or so, like from the Nicholas Wending Refn yeah. kind of filmography, but then also it's also taking like, just like cues from classical and kind of mashing them all together to make this weird kind of minimalistic, but at the same time, very memorable piece of, of, you Music. know, composition and score mm -hmm. that kind of sticks with you and kind of is, is unsettling and kind of keeps you, on edge, but also has these tragic notes as well. And yeah, again, I think Cronenberg isn't for everybody, but if you give it a chance, there is a lot being said within the context of the film and what Cronenberg is thinking of and like his thoughts on humanity, but also on the environment, on our government and repression and just there's a lot there. And like, it is, it is one of those films that you will want to sort of like, marinate on and think about and and yeah I, I i liked it a lot and it's just one of those movies where it's like i was just grateful to see another cronenberg movie because you know it's been eight years since map to the stars and that was one of his weaker films and i think crimes of the future is more satirical and more interesting in terms of 
the human body and human nature than maps the stars was so cool um yeah it's and it's also a vampire movie weirdly as well like vigo mortensen's character arc feels very much like uh a vampiric storyline so you okay. can even look at it like that as like a gothic horror movie with kind of like a deadpan wry sense of humor um throughout but yeah if if you're not into cronenberg movies this is not going to be the one that wins you yeah over. i'm curious like I, i'm not not into them i'm just like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to catch it before i leave like i know it's playing at lightbox uh now um and i think that's the perfect spot to go see it but i um I might try to squeeze it in. I know we have a couple of screenings this week, so maybe I, I pop in there um, after something like that. But um, I don't know how much – I don't really have that much time this week leading into it, but uh, leading into leaving. But I am looking I, – I do want to see it. I, I'm glad I skipped the screening because that's the day that I, I did have COVID but didn't know I had COVID, and I skipped it just because I knew I was feeling a bit worn down. And uh, I'm glad I skipped it because I, I probably – I, I didn't want to try to risk anyone else or anything like that, but um, yeah, I'm going to try to give it a, I, I don't think we'll be able to squeeze in a, a review or anything before I go, but I'm glad to get your thoughts now because uh, I, I do want to go see it. So you've opened, I, I've seen like his biggest, most mainstream stuff, right? Like I saw, I love a history of violence, love Eastern promises. And you've then, seen the fly. Um, I've seen the fly and I probably saw, the dead zone. If you, have you seen the Christopher? No, Walken those are the zone? only, uh, those That's, are, another mainstream one for i him. definitely want to like go in and watch some of them but uh, or if not all of them but um you might also like existence as well which is also kind i have of like videodrome never watched it videodrome is again is another movie where like i think you will get something out of it just because you're very familiar with toronto like yeah. the 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 station that james wood's character in videodrome works at is supposed to be kind of a mock version of ctv oh cool yeah. uh, city tv pardon me oh. and and so like with that like like there's a lot of references to canadian culture at that time period especially with like you know the invention of or the 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 prelude to reality television specifically yeah. and how Cronenberg was kind of, again, always ahead of the curve when it came to predicting a lot of this stuff and where sort of mainstream entertainment was going to find the next sort of thing to be addicted to. Yeah. But existence is another one that I think you might find some interesting beats in there because it is about, it is kind of like, his version of the matrix when it came out the same year and it was basically trumped by the matrix. But the idea of like a group of people playing video games, but not being able to discern reality from the virtual world and the virtual world being so real that you're not sure if you're still in the virtual world or back in reality. And like the guns and weaponry that they create are all like fleshy and like the okay. game controllers look like they were cut right. out of your body. Cool. And that's even in in crimes of the future, where yeah. like the 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 controllers and technology is somewhat antiquated, but at the same time, it has like this kind of like skin like <laughs> sort of yeah, yeah. It's it's really gross, but cool. Again, that's Cronenberg for you. Heck yeah. Um, anything else before we we're getting kind of long in the in the tooth here, but I, I assumed we would. Uh, go a bit long because of we haven't recorded and we've recorded basically all afternoon today everyone a little behind the scenes um so i'm, I'm kind of hitting a wall a little bit but i do want to talk about 
some trailer stuff that we missed. Like quickly, other shit that I've been watching, I honestly haven't watched that much. Like I've been watching so much TV. Like I watched The Hustler, which we talked a little bit about in our Top Gun uh, review. I rewatched Top Gun. Uh, you guys can check out our review for Chip and Dale. Um, we talked about X-Men Days of Future Past because it was playing on mute at my at the Matchler party. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, things like that. Um, Television-wise, there's something else I've been watching too, but I forget. And then I watched the Bo Burnham, the Inside Outtakes. So I uh, watched that uh, with Nevis the other night. Uh, thought it was great. Definitely understood why these were like the deleted uh songs that didn't make the final version like some of them obviously you could tell like oh i understand why you cut that not that they were bad but not as strong as a a lot of the other stuff on inside but like still immensely enjoyed it like the way that he edited it together and like of using outtakes is the thing of like it showed some of his creative process of like the way that he would frame it of putting like almost a Brady Bunch style of every take he did and then would eliminate them as he fucked up and then only leaving one take left. That was the good take that he did. It just showed like how much work he put into this entire thing. So you got a little bit of behind the scenes stuff of him making um, inside and then you got some deleted songs and some deleted music videos from uh, that he just didn't include. So you do get Bezos three and Bezos four, which is great. Um, and then you also get a couple songs that were bangers. Like Nevis has been loving five years, which is like the perfect Drake song. Like it's just him imitating a Drake song and he does such a good job with it, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship. It's like a really just kind of Bo Burnham's one of those guys too, that like, straddles that line of like taking something that's a very obvious joke and elevating it or doing something that's a little bit more clever than just kind of the you know the very easy joke right like with even white woman's instagram and even i were talking about that today of like a very almost lazy joke of poking fun at white women on Instagram, just taking photos of their food and, and like dumb photos of flowers and different things like that. But then there's that nugget in that song. That's actually not even just funny. It's just very sweet about the young woman who's talking about her mom who passed away 10 years ago and how much she misses her. And like, and to me, it's like, that's what makes Bo Burnham special is like finding that, humanity either to make fun of or or showcase in his music and his comedy that i feel like elevates something that is that could be taken as very simple or very obvious and makes it something more so even with five years of like being in a long-term relationship and you become comfortable or like the way that you argue five years into a relationship compared to when you first start dating is i think a very obvious commentary but the way that it elevates in the satire of a Drake song and, and adding in just very, just funny, clever lyrics really helps it. And then, or really makes it work. And then there's a song um, that's the simplest joke and probably like it's uh why did the chicken cross the road joke, but turned into a song. And it's just, it's like, again, he takes something that's so simple. One of the oldest jokes ever and turns it into something else. So like there's a couple things on there that were gems that obviously didn't work in the final edit of inside, but like it's still definitely a worthwhile hour watch. I don't know if you've watched it yet, Eric. 
No, I haven't. I it's mm. been one of those things where it's like it did take me a while to get to inside, but at the same time, it's like because it is an extended edition, and a lot of the stuff that didn't, well, all the stuff that didn't make the final cut. It's that's always been something where it's like, okay, well, there is sometimes a reason for that, and I don't want it to ruin my feelings towards inside it won't it won't like if anything you'll be like me where you're like ah, oh, that i understand why he cut that song <laughs> and then like yeah. and then other times you'll go oh that's a cool behind the scenes look at how he made inside and then there'll be i think you will like bezos three and four and then i feel like he's just on the main thing he's like all right i don't need four jeff bezos jokes but like it's still funny like even hearing them right and then um and you can just listen to the music too. Like the deluxe edition of inside um, is out now. And what's great about it is that there's the third disc because the original inside is disc one and disc two with all the music from the the special. And then um, disc three on this one is all the new music and disc four is all instrumentals of like him doing instrumentals of content and different songs from his album but in different styles so one is like video game style one is xyz style and like if you're just looking for something to play in the background while you're doing something else like i found that last bit of music was kind of fun so um really enjoyed that that was the uh the other thing that i've been been watching uh quickly i'll just mention because uh, my review will be coming out this week um i saw uh hustle starring uh adam sandler um and it's it's a it's a pretty formulaic but also um comfortable sports inspirational underdog story where sandler plays this kind of burnt out and you know still somewhat um enthusiastic uh, <coughs> basketball uh scout and he's you know traveling across america and the rest of the world looking for uh new uh basketball players to join uh the philadelphia's 76ers and it kind of hits a lot of the notes that you'd expect kind of like that feel good sports movie to hit but it is a nice kind of character study as well where you have Adam Sandler playing off of a former basketball player, Juancho uh, Hernandez uh, Gomez, um, who used to be a, a, a Boston uh, Celtic. And so, you know, it's, it's the, the relationship stuff is the strongest there. And it is also kind of funny, like, obviously, Adam Sandler has now done a lot of really um, strong dramatic work, you know, with Uncut Gems and the Merowitz stories and, and Punch Chuck Love and things like that. So that's not surprising. But what is kind of surprising is that this is a, a production that was made through um, not only Netflix, but through Happy Madison. So the Happy Madison logo comes up at the beginning of the movie. So if you've seen it before, it's the guy who does like the... The, the terrific. The, yeah. yeah. And so when that comes up, like you've been primed so many times. That you're getting Adam's, fucking grown-ups for. <laughs> yeah. And Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, Sandy Wexler. David, David Spade movie. And then you watch this film, which is a very straightforward, conventional, uh, well-made um basketball movie that's uh you know a, a, a drama for the most part yeah and then it's just it's just so jarring <laughs> like yeah. being, like you're seeing that logo and then watching the film but Sa sandler is really really good in the movie and i got a chance to interview uh, the director uh, jeremiah zager and so that'll be on uh, rogers tv this week as well cool um, but yeah it's 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 not a it's not a great movie per se but it's it's the sum of its parts and i think adam sandler like truly feels the most comfortable 
he's ever been on screen, especially in his element, because he does he love, love basketball, basketball bro. so much. Does and he like, wear big shorts? Oh, he sure does. Oh, yeah. Um, and on this, I mean, like, if you're looking at, on the scale of, like, Moneyball to Trouble with the Curve, this is somewhere nicely in the in middle. It's not okay. as good as Moneyball, but it's nowhere near as bad as Trouble with the Curve. Cool. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, all right. Let's, okay, we're at 210. I think let's wrap T-10. up the show talking about, you know, the plethora of trailers we missed over the last month or so. Cause we missed some big ones. Like I made a thumbnail before I got COVID. That was just the episode was going to be called the return of Jake Sully. And that was good. We were going to talk about avatar. We were going to talk about Jake Sully. We saw the avatar, the way of the water trailer. Uh, we saw it before, you know, everyone else got to see it. Uh, but now we're the cool kids. Now we're way behind. Like <laughs> we missed the trailers for, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. We missed the trailers for uh, Thor Love and Thunder. I think both of them. Yes, both the teaser uh, and the, the full And the full trailer. trailer. Uh, we have trailers for Man from Toronto. We got trailers for Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. We got She-Hulk. P- Pinocchio. Um, She-Hulk. Um, Beast. Um, uh, the Greyman. Um, <laughs> um uh what else do we got that we 3000 years of longing um i mean we missed all the bros. we didn't even cover uh the Cannes film festival which yeah. quickly i'll just say that uh i'm really excited to see uh ruben oslin's next film oh yeah won the triangle palm sadness door. which yeah. won the palm door so that's his second palm yeah door. good for him dude uh and like at the square i i think i liked i just i i think of force majeure more than the square but um, I'm definitely absolutely down to see that. Can't wait. Uh, and sorry, we're not going to really cover news and things. Maybe on the next episode, we'll bank an episode where we talk about that. But we got a Spiderhead trailer. We got Where the Crawdads Sing. We got Prey, the new Predator movie, um, which was a very short trailer, but we got that. Um, I keep wanting to call it where the crawdaddies sing. Oh uh, yeah, crawdaddies. That's my. That's what I was. That's what Nevis calls me. Uh, <laughs> um, Cha Cha Real Smooth had a trailer. Um, and then we're back to Way of the Water. So we missed all that. And you said She Hulk. Um, yep. I don't think we missed any other Disney Plus uh, trailer. We kind of at Star Wars Celebration we got. Um, oh, Andor. Andor. Um, and then so Eric, where do you want to start? We can kind of just talk about what we want to talk about. We don't have to talk about every single thing. Um. Is there something you want to start with? We can start with the Marvel stuff. We I'm going to go be, I'm like... going to level with you. I haven't watched Pinocchio because oh I have literally God. put yeah. my foot down on Robert Zemeckis. I, and I think you've made a good choice. Cause like, uh, yeah, God, I don't know. Like I agree. I agree completely. Um, it looks, it looks bad. I will say that. Like it does not, it look like it's just Zemeckis though. Like, I don't know what it is. Or I do know what it is. It's just him lately. Um, it's his love of stop motion animation that, or stop motion uh, uh, motion capture. Yeah. 
um, that has just gotten in the way of, of storytelling. They don't even show like the-, the titular Pinoch. I'm like, what are you hiding? Do you not know what his design looks like? He's going to look like the animated Disney Pinocchio. They're, they're worried like, that they're going to have an ugly Sonic situation. It so, kind of like, feels like that. Kinda- He's just, he, you only see the shadow from behind. You see Tom Hanks' Geppetto doing a horrible accent, which just seems like the – the cloud atlas the, yeah, well not even that it's part of the I, cloud atlas universe? i i like him in cloud atlas because no, i do too but it feels movie. like that could be a character in cloud atlas but i mean the zemeckis trademark is someone doing a horrible accent lately so like well, joseph gordon levitt is jiminy cricket right oh is he and you don't really hear jiminy cricket in the trailer you really He's gotta have an accent though. um you hear when you wish upon a star um you know, it's going to be like any of those Disney animated like remakes. Like the only thing I worry is that Pinocchio will look too cartoony, like uh, um or too real. Uh, yeah, well, he's not a real boy. Yeah. He'll be too frightening um, looking. He'll be it'll be like from the movie Pinocchio's Revenge, <laughs> yeah. which is like a 90s slasher film. So, um I'm going to send you a photo of the, the VHS cover. Um so yeah, Zemeckis, you know, <laughs> I always am down for Zemeckis Hanks collab but like i don't know man it's just i guess he's the after right. marwin call i was done and i didn't I'm... see it because i refused after the walk the walk wasn't when i was like i'm done i can't i, can't I didn't watch it. the witches because after oh, marwin did I. Call, yeah. I was like i just can't i can't do it so i haven't seen the last couple zemeckis movies because after the walk and how much i hated that i just was like i, I don't think i can do this anymore um so i skipped both of those um we can go into the Marvel territory. So we got She-Hulk and Thor Love and Thunder trailer one and two. Um, She-Hulk, uh, some dodgy CG. Uh, I will just come out and say that. Um, doing Tatiana a little dirty in her look for uh, the titular She-Hulk. Um, I don't know how you fix that. Like, I feel like I'm I'm definitely intrigued with the superhero law element and it being kind of a um a weekly i hope it's going to be sort of a case of the week kind of thing even though it might have a overarching story like it reminds i hope it's something like harvey birdman or or something oh like that like or even that, man bad and harley quinn yeah like that's what i want right like is bring some deep cut mcu people in or like or marvel characters and like have it as a case of the week kind of thing and like i'd definitely be down for that for superhero law um superhero law and order um but that trailer just didn't really do all that much for me and i think it was the cg that kind of took me out of it and i think it's something that like it's that uncanny valley kind of thing where like the hulk character even though you see a little bit of ruffalo in the face he's still a monstrous like he doesn't feel like he's supposed to look human, right? Like, cause he's still this gigantic green monster. When you have Jennifer Walters as she Hulk and she's just slightly bigger than what a normal person looks like. Um, you have that uncanny Valley in the face where it looks like Tatiana Masolini on this big green woman. And like, it's just, you either need to make her gigantic like the hulk that way you don't have that connection of this is supposed to look like a human and i feel like that's where my brain is getting fucked up watching that trailer because i just feel like it does not look great yeah i agree with you i i'm i'm happy for her because she is such a wonderful uh actor and that 
you know, like I hope that this opens up more roles because after Orphan Black, she was always on the short list for a lot of Star Wars and Marvel stuff. She was really wonderful in the Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, David Gordon Green directed Stronger. Um, and it just, and even though I didn't really love Destroyer, she was one of the highlights in, in that movie, the Nicole Kidman film. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think like looking at this is like, to your point, Mark Ruffalo is also a good team player because he's paired with human characters and you're not always focused on the Hulk. You know, you, you have other people he's playing off with and usually those people are also, you know, real people, you know, they're not CGI. They're, they're in camera usually. Um, so now you have, you know, the, the, probably one of the, the main relationship threads being, you know, these two CGI characters talking back and forth to each other. And one has had a little bit more time to be kind of developed in just, terms of the designs where like i'm sure she hulk at some point will kind of go through sort of new iterations and and probably look better in uh you know a, a film wherever she ends up after the the she hulk season one i'm sure that that's going to be an ongoing series because originally it was just called she hulk and now it's called she hulk attorney at law so it kind of feels like it does have like a episodic kind of yeah you know, subtitle there and, i hope and so. yeah like its strength will really depend on, I, I think that, or the humor at least will depend on like, you know, like superheroes with like petty grievances, you know, taking it out in like small claims court or something like yeah. that. That's like, you have to deal with like these super powered beings, but in kind of like practical mundane, you know, systematic institutions. And I think that might be kind of funny. And to your point, like, you know, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, is so dry and so weird. It's so when you bring in the Hanna Barbera like characters and stuff like that that they would yeah. constantly do, and you know, are um, they going to turn one of the characters like they did Fred Flintstone into kind of like a Tony Soprano esque character? Yeah, um, and and I just love um, Gary Cole who voices Harvey Birdman. His kind of just delivery and just yeah. kind of being almost like kind of weirdly. Uh, unaffected by everything. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting because you have Tim Roth coming back, then you have Ruffalo involved, and um, Jamila Jamil is playing the villain. Titania, I think, is her name. And like, so I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm. Did you see the text of Pinocchio I sent for? Uh, yeah, I did. It's hilarious. I laughed while you were <laughs> talking about. Um, it's horrifying. I looked at it on my watch. Um, that's hilarious. Um, and then moving over to Thor love and thunder, we got the, both the teaser and the trailer within a couple weeks span. Um, uh, the first trailer heavily, just kind of a vibe trailer, uh, sweet child of mine being the song that they're using, uh, much like immigrant song in, in Ragnarok. It seems like sweet child of mine is that in this, um, whether it's used in the film or not, who knows? Like it was but, used in Big Daddy um, as well. Yeah, sure. Bringing it back to Sandman. Um, I, 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 I'm definitely in on 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 Love and Thunder. Like I, I like Thor, kind of uh, being at his, you know, getting back in shape and 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 being like retiring kind of thing, but then being brought in back in more. Korg is always great for me. Uh, Korg, my favorite uh, MCU character, Korg and Meek. I got a little Meek uh, Lego right here, and I have my. I just got this the other day, Eric. So I got Bro Bro Thor's gaming room from New Asgard. <laughs> so you got Korg and Thor playing some games here. So I'm gonna build that Lego at some point. 
Um, and you got Meek there as well in a bunch of pizza boxes. So I'm always down for more Corgan Meek. Uh, I love the new Asgard stuff. I love the Olympus stuff. Russell Crowe as Zeus uh, sounds awesome. I uh, love the color palette. Um, again, Raymond going yeah and then you get into the second trailer and we got our first look at uh, christian bale as gore the god butcher um i love the contrast there and the juxtaposition between those super incredibly colorful taika waititi like thor you know cinematography and then on gore's planet or wherever he is he, it's just completely saturated and, and black and white like i think that's kind of a an interesting stylistic choice i know a lot of people don't love the look of gore um based on what he looks like in the comics and he kind of looks like what um that guy from infinity war and endgame the like the little squidward guy like um yeah i know like uh, ebony of, ebony um, maw ebony maw what were, and, what were the midnight children or something yeah or? yeah uh the children of thanos or whatever and yeah. like um yeah, I uh I, I don't mind it. Like I think you still needed him to look like Christian Bale if you get Christian Bale. Like I feel like you don't want him to play a CG character or or things like that. So like I don't mind that and I don't have like a huge attachment to the look of that character. So um I love the idea of him going around and like trying to hunt down gods and kill them. Like I think that's really dope. And having um Natalie Portman come back play the mighty Thor with Jane Foster, like I'm super excited to see how that plays out. And I think it's such a fun thing of someone who hasn't really been involved in the MCU in, in quite some time. And it wasn't necessarily done dirty in those first two movies, but like um, I could see why she didn't really want to come back after that second one. But now when you give her something, well, um, she did have a bit of um, like when Patty Jenkins was going to do Thor, yeah. the dark world after she dropped out, I think Natalie Portman, <laughs> had some issues with Marvel's replacement because she wanted a female director to come yeah. on and, and, and do it. So it's just like, yeah, I can understand why like that frustration of being like, you know, like creatively speaking. So obviously Taika Waititi is somebody that um, seems to be kind of level-headed and, and about the, the actors first and the mechanics second of, of the MCU. I'm looking forward to it as well, but again, I'm thinking, I, I, I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about Taika Waititi. I'm, I'm feeling a little burnt yeah, out with him. I agree. Or I, um, I, I understand, you know, I, nothing like it's, it's almost like the same thing with like James Gunn, where like there was that moment where James Gunn just was too much on like social media and, and, and the same way where like Taika Waititi has just been so kind of homogenized in, you know, movies that are kind of terrible or mediocre at best, everything from free guides. Like it's just, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's too much exposure. Yeah. Um. So, but again, like I'm sure the movie will be fun and it will be a nice kind of summer release and, and what have you. So it'll be here sooner than God, yeah. July 8th. Exactly. Right? So. Like a month basically. Right. Yeah. Right. When I get back from my trip is probably like the day I get back will probably be our screening of it. So like, I might go straight from the airport on European time straight to uh, Thor screen. I hope you'll so. look like uh, Gore the God Butcher when you get back. <laughs> I probably will. All the life sucked out of me. Um, where do you want to go from here? What else did we miss? What else? Avatar. We got to talk about Avatar. Oh, yeah. Um, so Jake Sully's back. <laughs> God. Uh, so we got to see this trailer on loop before Doctor Strange <laughs> in 3D. 
um, in the AVX theater in, at, at Scotiabank in Toronto. Um, Avatar, you know, I, I said it when we talked about Lord of the Rings, it, it's, it was that movie when I was in college and starting into this thing where, you know, I was like, you know what, this thing is too popular. I need to take it down a peg. <laughs> like personally, I need to be the one that says it's not as good as, as, and I don't even think people said it was great. It's just became this phenomenon of like this, this new technology and you had to go see it in 3d and, and it was and the return of James Cameron who totally directed a film since Titanic. Right. So yes. And that was it. Right. It's the guy who directed Titanic, um, making a movie again. So, um, as a dumb college kid, I was like, avatar sucks and you're all morons. Uh, as I got older, it went down from avatar sucks to avatars. Fine. I just have no the theme park. Like, great. That is true. When I did go to Walt Disney world, like, five years ago with Nevis. It was probably longer now, but um, went to Pandora and was shocked how great it was. The ride is awesome. You get to ride a Banshee and you fly through Pandora and it's fucking awesome. It's, it actually made me go back and revisit the Avatar movies after that because I think before you that mean I the was Avatar like, movie. Sorry, the Avatar movie. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> By now I thought we should have had seven of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> The Avatar movie. So, um, and I went back and rewatched it recently in the last, probably after that. So five years ago or something like that at, at Mike Munz's house. And um, I think in 3D. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm still mostly indifferent, but I didn't hate it much like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I think I liked where this, I didn't necessarily like. I think there's a lot of dumb shit in there. Unobtainium is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of my life and it takes itself a little too, too on the nose if you ask me it's like and it's not even trying to be funny with it like it's like it's just playing it very straight and um and it takes itself very seriously and Do i you think, think the it, movie was about environmental it, issues yeah and it thinks it's more important than it is i think like or it thinks it's more clever or or original than it is when it's it's a plot in a movie you've kind of seen a million times uh, and people made the jokes to Pocahontas and Fern Gully and and you know a ton of other things. Dances with wolves. Dances with wolves. And like, um, so I don't. Think I mean, it, it made Sam Worthington one of the biggest movie stars in the world, right? That guy is loving it right now because, like, he what was he doing? He was just chilling at home. He, not he doing was the anything. man on the like, ledge, Matt. He wasn't doing anything, and he's like, "Wait, you?" He was in Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> So, anyways, this trailer. Um, thought it looked like more Avatar. Uh, I would say that we, in the last decade, thirteen years since Avatar, I feel like we movies and and movie going has has completely changed, and the types of movies people go see, and the types of movies we get on a monthly basis and weekly basis now. That like, I don't know what that movie is going to do to impress people as much as the first movie did with its CG and its 3d and, and stuff like that. Like I looked at it and I'm like, does this look, I'm sure if I put them side by side, like the original avatar and, and footage from this one, I, I could clearly tell one was made 13 years later, but just watching the trailer, I was like, okay yeah it looks pretty and it, it and it looks like avatar <laughs> like I, I i don't know jake Sully's back i'm like sick i don't know like <laughs> like i sick bro I, i'm like awesome i guess like i don't know and like you don't get much plot obviously in in the teaser trailer it is more of a vibe trailer and it's very short and 
it looks like it's uh, the big thing is going to be this underwater cinematography that they underwater motion capture that they they've been doing where uh I, I but i i don't know it just doesn't really do anything for me yeah i i don't think the trailer really worked for me either but again i don't want to you know count out james cameron because if anybody can make a sequel work it will be him um but yeah i think like watching this trailer it's like okay return to pandorum you know and get some r pandorum pandorum <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even care that much about like the continuity of the world and like I remember Name one other character. I can't. I can't either. I can I can name like the Navi, which yes. is the, the race. The race. But, but yeah. Jake Sully, what was Zoe Saldana's character's name that he was? Zoe Saldana? Um, Zoe. Oh god. Like in what was uh Stephen what what's his name? Stephen uh, Lang. Stephen Lang's character. And he like he's coming back, right? Didn't he die? Yeah. And like Sigourney oh, uh, Weaver, uh, Quartridge or Quatridge is his I'm pulling up name. the Avatar names. This is what I'm saying, and I know it's uh, like an easy, lazy joke. But anyways, keep going. I know, but but even thinking like, okay, this is the first of what four sequels, more yeah. movies, and it's like if this film does not work, what do they do with the other films? And then Disney on top Plus, of, baby, <laughs> I guess. And then on top of that, it's like, well. 3D really didn't take. It didn't become the norm, and it they was tried part- really hard. And they're going to try again with this. And like, well, one thing that you have to do is like the only way I think you can really get people interested in it is like 3D less uh, or 3D yeah. classes less experiences. Yeah. And 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 that I don't think the technology is there yet. And I don't think theaters don't want will want eye to... surgery for it either. Yeah. So. <laughs> James Cameron will pay for your LASIK surgery so you can get 3D eyeballs um and i don't think theaters will want to invest like they did the first time because i felt like after a pandemic and and after they kind of got burned um being like they all spent so much money buying new 3d projectors which ultimately made going to the movies objectively worse (laughs) like like it's just again i'm not one of those guys that film is everything like it did make it easier it did make it like there's lots of pros but there are a lot of cons as well but um i don't know i just can't see them like they all have 3d 3d projectors now so a lot of them will just play it in 3d because of that and and you're going to get some high frame rate stuff because of these new projectors they can have you know a variable refresh rate and well isn't he also shooting the film in a higher frame rate as well certain sequences though not the whole thing because he's come out and said that he doesn't like 48 frames per second really like or 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 60 frames or or 120 or, or or whatever but he says it works for certain scenes which i i and if anyone's gonna do it properly james cameron will because like i i agree with that where like something like gemini man Oh God! The action sequences. Or Billy Lynn. Billy Lynn doesn't work at all because there's no fucking action in it. So it's just like the action sequences in in Gemini Man in 120 or was it just 60 or 48? I don't know. High frame rate. Um, the, the high frame rate action sequences I think have the potential to look cool. It's just any of the dialogue sequences is awful. Like it's yeah. just the worst thing in the world. So like. I'm not against a variable Ocean refresh rate movie, where where it can go down to 24 frames per second during a dialogue scene, but then go up to 48 or 60 or 120 or or whatever, like during a swimming sequence or or uh, an action sequence or something like that, which is I think how he'll probably use it. But um, 
I don't know, man. Like it just, I don't know how you can have a compelling story over four movies. I know it's going to involve a lot of children, right? Because it seems like they've had kids and because 10 years have passed or 13 years have passed since the original movie. So and, is this a legacy sequel then? I tweeted it. Is it? What could be? There's a whole conversation. I got to put another. Um, uh, we can't. It's we're two and a half hours. We got to save this for another show. But like, we'll save it for I, the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, because I do want to have that conversation eventually. Of what? What is the timeline for a legacy sequel? Is it ten right. years? Is it twenty years? Fifteen? Like we're in the middle between ten and fifteen here. It's thirteen years. So I would say like, that this does count because it is like there hasn't been any other Avatar related other than the theme parks um, uh, content. Like it, it literally is like one movie to the next. Now you could say that the sequels to follow aren't going to be the legacy sequels, but between one and two, that is enough time. Um, I, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, is it James, Jim? If you're if you're watching or listening to this, which it you're def- not, it definitely is. Um, he's listening please. to it in his submarine going down to the, <laughs> the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> please, please, for the love of God, just get True Lies and the Abyss on Blu-ray <laughs> on 4K. and 4K already. Yeah. We've been waiting. See, that's a legacy sequel I would like to see is for True Lies too. Get, but, yeah, who um, knows? So yeah. characters from Avatar. Stephen Lang, you said his name was? Quatridge or Court. Yeah, you got it. Colonel Miles. Fuck! Uh, Quaritch. Quaritch? Uh, Sigourney Weaver's character is Dr. Oh, I don't know. Grace Augustine. <laughs> um, Great name. Michelle Rodriguez as Trudy Chacon. Okay, cool. Giovanni Ribisi as Parker Selfridge. Uh, Joel David Moore as Dr. Norm Spellman. Everyone's got that action figure. Um <laughs> Uh, Dalip Rao as Dr. Max Patel. And then the Navi, uh, Zoe Saldana is Natiri? Natiri? Natiri, yeah. Okay, Okay. didn't see what I don't even remember when I say it out loud. It doesn't even. uh, uh, CCH Pounder? Is that how you say her name? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Oh, her full name is Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder. Incredible. Born on Christmas Day. Shout out to CCH Pounder. <laughs> Fucking incredible. <laughs> One of the best names ever. Um, plays Moat. Um, Wes Studi plays Etukin. And um, Laz Alonzo plays Tasuti. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, doesn't CCH Pounder uh, sound like a better, like, like sci-fi character name than half of these yes anyone with the name cch pounder like that is that's fucking awesome what a great she was on the shield and um i really liked her in uh tales from the crypt demon knight incredible name so shout out to her um and then in this one jake suley's returning uh natiri's returning cch pounder as moat is returning Cliff Curtis is in this movie as Tanawari. Awesome. Kate Winslet as Ronal. Ronal McDonald. Um, <laughs> Ronal McDonald is having a CCH um, pounder for, for dinner. For lunch. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you got uh, Jack Champion as 
Javier Spider Socorro. Great name, actually. That's is Joel good, David Moorback. Is that um no, not that I see. Giovanna Rabisi's back is Parker Selfridge, thank God. Joel, oh, sorry. Himself. Joel David Moore is back as Dr. Yes. Norm Spellman. <laughs> so thank God. Thank God Dr. Norm Spellman is back. Um, most of the human characters are kind of back. Um, except you have Edie Falco in this as General Ardmore. Michelle Yeoh is in this? Oh, I didn't know. Um, as Dr. Karina Moog. Um, Brendan Cowell's Captain Mick Scoresby. <laughs> okay, James Cameron's just trolling um, people now. And Jermaine Clement is Doctor Ian Garvin, and Sigourney Weaver is somehow back. And same with Stephen Lang. Uh, Vin Diesel's in this movie too. Who is Vin playing? I don't know. Finn mm. Diesel. Yeah, it's like a giant fish. Doctor Finn Daigle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> god avatar this like fifth highest grossing movie of all time or i think it's still up there is like number two or three right but uh no one can name a character from it you gotta love it or um, cares about the mythology all that much yeah at all um i think we can oh three thousand years of longing thought the trailer looked awesome uh looks wild i know the reactions out of can were pretty positive right like mixed to positive mixed positive but... okay um so do you think this looks better or worse than mad max, max fear we'll have to see we'll have to see um we didn't start that bit yet we were going to start a bit where my rating scale was going to just be is it better than mad max fury road uh i thought bros looked pretty good like i i i thought the podcast thing was it was kind of like ugh, I, I don't love that but then it's because it hits it's too like, close to home i right? think so or it's just been overdone maybe or, or something like that but i think nicholas stoller is great and i love the idea of a uh, a gay rom-com where every character is played by um um Someone in the LGBT Someone, yeah, Q plus community, plus community. Yeah. and uh, even the straight characters. So like, I think that's, well, the funniest thing about awesome. that trailer though, is when like it's Judd Apatow's name is first before anybody <laughs> else. It's like from the guy, from the producer of, you know, knocked up in the 40 year old yeah. version or whatever it is. Like, so the, the straight guy is claiming yeah, it's still the, the first romantic <laughs> yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. But like, um, will it be too long? Probably. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Nick Stoller movies still, are pretty long, yeah. and they are in the Judd Apatow. I agree. Uh, Spiderhead um, looked uh, borderline too much, but I am curious. Like, um, you know, Kaczynski, we both really like Top Gun. We just saw, and and it has, you know, I love Hemsworth, and um, who I think can be really funny. And in this, it seems like he's playing something pretty disturbing so uh, i'm curious we're gonna see that soon and review that any thoughts on spiderhead or uh yeah i mean we i we didn't talk about it too much in the review but joseph kaczynski like is a guy that just never like Clicked like top gun maverick yeah. i really liked and and i think like visually speaking he's he's a good enough filmmaker but yeah like a lot of the movies he's or all the movies he's made with the exception of top gun uh maverick they've just never really connected with me personally and like i think the tron legacy thing like the score is the best part of that movie oblivion i could care less about and then like only the brave was fine so like this could be kind of like a fun like little side project that he made like 
during post-production with Top Gun Maverick. It also has Miles Teller in it and uh, uh, Journey uh, Smollett. So we'll see how that kind of goes, like in terms of almost like, it looks like, you know, um, that British TV show, The Prison or Prisoner, where like, you know, yeah. this one guy's captive on an island and finds out that there's a whole sort of like society. It's basically like, I mean, that's what Lost took a lot from as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. Um, Prey, I really liked the teaser. Um, you know, Predator sequels have been mostly miss other than Predator 2. So sweaty. Just so sweaty. <laughs> just a lot of just something we sweat. didn't talk about with Top Gun either. But just movies in the eighties, everyone was just fucking sweaty, dude. Just everyone. Well, was that's so why Tom hot. Cruise is always wanting to go for a shower in the yeah. first Top Gun. It's like everyone is so sweaty. Um, I'm very intrigued. Uh, I like Dan Track. It's Dan Trackenberg who's directing it, right? Yeah, like, the guy did ten. I liked Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane quite a bit. I like this being like in the past, like um. Uh, you have a young um, indigenous um, first nations, like first nations uh, person like um, with it's basically the teaser is them running out into a field and then you see the predator like like on them and like it's very short <laughs> That's the sound it makes <laughs> i forget what it is isn't it something like that yeah it, it like, looks more more sinister yeah it is that, that sounded would be better that, that's replaced the sound effect with it almost sounds <laughs> inviting <laughs> it's like uh, uh, I thought that looked dope. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's on Hulu, so it'll be probably Disney Plus here. Um, yeah. A lot of the or it'll be Amazon um, Prime because yeah. some stuff in like that um, Emma Thompson movie that played at Sundance earlier this year is going to be on Hulu in the U.S. But here it'll be Amazon. Uh, I have a feeling this one will be a Disney Plus one. Like it feels like Predator, a big enough name that they'll probably keep it on disney plus for disney plus star here Uh, that's my guess i don't know i think we'll have to rate it on the sweaty scale though yeah hopefully it's very very i want more movies where people are just like in the middle of like a heat wave fighting against some sort of like supernatural force and just like yeah all the air conditioning is fucking broken and just beads of sweat god i just we watched that in 4k and it was just like oh my god it is it looked you can tell how hot it is and i don't know what if they just drenched everyone before every take but um that and breakdown like with kurt russell yes we watched that even the poster for that is so sweaty um hell yeah oh and then finally before we can't leave before we talk about mission impossible dead reckoning part one just what a just mission impossible trailers are a work of art on their own um because the fallout trailer just probably the best short film of the last decade um part dead reckoning part one like you can almost tell that they haven't finished the sound design or anything because it's mostly just the score. Mission, this Mission Impossible score that they recorded specifically for this trailer. Lauren Ball, I remember, tweeted that or something. Um, and uh, I just absolutely can't wait for this movie. And uh, Tom Cruise is a madman. We talked about this on our Top Gun Maverick review. Um, but just, I can't believe we're just like over a year away. But I just, I'm so glad. It sucks that it's not coming this year, though. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like it's been like in the can. I know they had a lot of like COVID issues shooting it, and I know they shot it back to back, so that would have delayed uh, post production because they shot part one and part two. But um, and we're getting them a year apart, which is great, right? Is it only six months or a year? Or is it exactly a year between? The I think two? it's a year between uh, one and two. I think yeah. Tom Cruise is being again very strategic with that, where it's like 
you know, you it's probably the better way to do it as well, you know, yeah. and avoid like the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions kind of thing. Yeah, but um, I love seeing, you know, Vanessa Kirby and... Uh, uh, You're just a big Palm Khalif fan. You're just like, yes. You know what? I, I, the new cast editions, I'm all for it, dude. Like, um, it's, again, something we talked about in our, our Stranger Things thing where there are too many characters and you can't, like, all have their own moment and stuff like that or there's two it's overstuffed but mission impossible can always add two or three new people and somehow make it work because like in this or one, bring people back yeah or bring people back henry churney oh, yeah, baby. baby yes yes it's awesome and like seeing um ilso with the eye patch rebecca ferguson with the eye patch that looks dope. But she i don't want to be a she's pirate like, she's got a fucking dope sword in a scene and you um God, seeing, I think it's Henry uh, Cierney that has the gas mask. Henry Cierney, yeah. Cierney, uh, that, that dope visual of him putting on the gas mask or one of the other dudes there. Um, Haley Atwell showing up. Uh, you got the OG crew there. Um, you see some glimpses at some of the stunts, the big one that they've teased of, uh, of Tom Cruise driving the motorcycle off the cliff and then skydiving or whatever uh, from a very low like altitude and stuff like that. Um it's just he's a madman and it's just like these movies just absolutely fucking rule and i have no idea how they're going to keep upping the ante uh again we talked about this a lot on the top gun review but uh i'm absolutely so stoked for this yeah same i mean it's it it's one of those you watched like, it on mute at the bachelor party because <laughs> when that, i did i had that, to see it that right croatian away. <laughs> they the croatian trailer leaked which was funny um, but yeah, watching it, uh, you know, in the best quality, I'm excited whenever I'll get the chance to see it on the big screen, maybe it'll be attached to Jurassic Park or something like that, or Jurassic World. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like one of those movies now where it's like, I am totally 100% in on this. So. And bringing Kittredge back is so dope, because he's he was yeah. he's only been in the first one, right? Yeah. And like, where the hell's that guy been? <laughs> like, he's been hanging out, man. Yeah, like... Um, and I don't even know who the villain is in this, right? Like, do we even know who's playing the villain? The villain is white people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it always is. Uh, oh, sorry. No, we know, uh, Azai Morales is playing. Yeah. Who replaced, uh, Nicholas Holt. Oh, interesting. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. I'm down. He's also, um, he's also in the new, um, Paul Schrader movie coming out later this year. The Master Gardener. Yeah. I'm down. That's cool, man. Um, he was in Never Back Down, No Surrender. Remember Never Back Down? I sure do. He was also in Jarhead 2. He's done a lot of weird direct-to-video sequels. Sequels uh, that nobody asked yeah. for or were necessarily needed. Yeah. Fantastic. Inside Man 3. <laughs> uh, done a lot of TV and stuff, too. He was on Curb. Okay. NCIS. Yeah, okay. Criminal Minds. I get it. How to get away with murder. Okay. Blue Bloods. He's just done the fucking. The, uh, I think Charles Purnell's in the first uh, Dead Reckoning as well, who was in um, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah, he is. Yep. You are correct. He is in it. You got uh, Carrie Elways, Rob Delaney. Um, will, will Carrie Elways have a weird accent? Yes, he always will. Um, I hope he's playing Lawrence Gordon from Saw. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think that's going to be it. We're going to, or we could go another 12 minutes and hit three hour mark, um, which we could easily do. Um, I mean, we've been, we haven't talked gray man. 
uh, which I, mean, I thought Gray Man. The trailer for that came what like a day or two after Mission Impossible, which is the Dead worst Reckoning. time for Netflix. Yeah. Just completely like who there is sitting and going, guys. You know what? We should release this now. Even if they guys, planned, we have the better trailer. If we, <laughs> even if they planned like, even if they didn't know Dead Reckoning Part One trailer was coming. And I'm sure Paramount had to kind of put that out earlier because of the Croatian leak and stuff like that. Um, Cause it probably would have premiered with Top Gun and came out after, but um, the gray man trailer coming out two days later, it just did not help it. With at Christian all. Bale. Um, yeah. And then the same, almost the same day as Thor love and thunder. And, you know, Netflix is trying real hard and this seems like the biggest movie that they'll probably uh release so far they're giving the russos a ton of money you have some big names um but i just found myself completely underwhelmed by it like i just it looked like a bigger budget with bigger names directed video like no offense to jason statham or 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 that like it felt like one of gerard those butler. like gerard butler like one of those not quite direct video but probably could have been <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, which just... is so weird because the, the gray man was a property that's been in development for years. And at various stages, it had different filmmakers where it's like, okay, like this is not a joke. James gray was going to direct the gray man. And like that movie probably would have been more focused on sort of the minutia of espionage. Yeah. And now you look at, this film and it just kind of looks it's like, like a diet captain america like, and i know you have movie. you have chris evans obviously but like you have the writers from the avengers movies and the captain america movies and like and this is ryan gosling's first film since first man which is so. wild and like a big action role for him and and chris evans playing a villain with a great mustache but like it's again like i don't know i i i'm hoping for the best like i hope it's at least like serviceable yeah like at right now at best it's got to be better than cherry it's got to be be. better but if this also you know tanks like they're going back to marvel after that like if this doesn't work like there's no chance in hell they don't go back to do secret wars or something well also with netflix i mean netflix is at an interesting place right now the hollywood reporter article was really interesting and i was talking about how like netflix is at this sort of stage where they're cutting a lot of their divisions and funding they laid off a lot of people in the marketing division, the vanity stuff, projects like, like the Irishman, uh, expensive so like, vanity projects. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the Irishman was already basically set up at Paramount. It's just that Paramount couldn't, you know, afford to make the movie. Um, so I'm sure that movies like this will not be necessarily cut out of the budget because they want to have something to kind of continue a franchise they they're they're still trying with the old guard obviously as well um but it's a shame that movies like i'm thinking of ending things or even like last year with the power of the dog they probably you know, won't really make those movies anymore, no right i mean we'll still have blonde which hopefully will be a fall festival film yeah. so you know one last hurrah. but i don't know like i guess it's movies like this is what they're going to invest in but like yeah or adam I, sandler films it's that it's that Barry thing, right? Like we, they, it's like obvious jokes with, when it comes to poking fun at the algorithms. But like in the latest episode of Barry, there's a whole conversation. Yeah, you're. It doesn't matter if your movie gets horrible reviews or shit, as long as the right people are clicking play on it, then that's all that really matters. So like those very niche art house kind of movies that 
sure get them a little bit of prestige in Hollywood and maybe lures some different filmmakers over and stuff like that. Are they really, you know, moving the needle when it comes to subscriptions and retention and all this bullshit behind the scenes garbage that, you know, prestige really is nothing like it it's not gonna what it is is they need subscribers and they need to keep subscribers it's like is power of the dog and and irishman doing that for a select few of people but like it's it's gonna be shit like uh, red notice and and fucking adam sandler movies and and even the gray man tiger king yeah like i I, I can't fathom that like if they haven't, if, I think it almost, they were so bitter that they lost this best picture <laughs> like year yeah. that they're just like, we're done. We're not going to, especially with streaming to losing it to another streaming service. That wasn't trying hard. That has expendable income to do that kind of stuff yeah. where Netflix now doesn't, they did originally. And now they're like, fuck that didn't work out. So like we have to start saving money. Where are we going to cut? Oh, this art house stuff is pricey and no one watches it. So um not no one, snip, but snip. like it's <laughs> comparatively to something that's just gonna be a popcorn movie with big name actors. Spend spend the money on the actors luring them over, not a big director that you have to convince to give final cut and and free range and a higher budget than they would get at another studio because they want it to be released in theaters or the only reason, the only way you're going to convince them to come over is to give them a ridiculous budget or else they'll go to a studio that will give them a more traditional model or something like that. So like, I just don't think that shit's going to happen. And I think other filmmakers have probably also seen how Netflix has buried their shit that I don't think they're going to really like flock over there anymore. Like, uh, I don't know, man, they're in a weird spot. Yeah. I have no idea how they solve it. They'll just make more schlock like Red. Well, Man. even with account sharing, right? Yeah. Like how that, how they're cracking or want to crack down on that. Cause I don't know how much they have done and maybe they backed off a little bit, but like even just them trying to, you know, get alienate the subscribers they already have by telling them that if they are sharing on a family plan or something like that, that you have to individually own your own account, you know, per person. And it's, yeah, it's just like, you know, like you're going to actually have more people unsubscribe. And then even the stuff with like um, Ted Sarandos right now with like how, you know, he has kind of been using the whole like fifth amendment thing or what um, the freedom of speech kind of thing with like Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais and defending, you know, transphobic and gay slur and, and stuff like that. And... It's, it's, yeah. It's, so it's like, it's, they are in a really weird sort of turning point where it's like Apple just like, I would laugh if somebody gave like one of the Apple CEOs a call and be like, Hey, you just won best picture for Coda. It's like, Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Does that mean more people will subscribe to Apple TV plus, even though we don't really care, we're just kind of using yeah. it as like a, a value add to our phones and our other shit that actually makes us a ton of money is like the same thing with Amazon. Amazon doesn't really have to worry. Oh, I know we've, we've had this conversation a bazillion times. That's why yeah. I really think like I, I, we've already called the death of Netflix. I've already called it. It's going to happen in the next 10 years. Calling like, it time. <laughs> and whether it stay, sticks around as Netflix, but branded under another company who purchases them or something, but like, or it just gets merged with an Apple or Amazon. That's really, Ultimately, where I see this going, yeah, Quibi. 
uh, lasted. R.I.P. to a real. How one. many months did that shit last? Remember, I mean, it was a joke. It was dead on arrival, but yeah. like it was such a joke. Like even remember, the like know what people want? Ten minute episodes of things that you can watch forty of them in ten. Yeah, they already have things like that that are shorter called TikTok and you know, like, YouTube. Like again, I, it's like an old person being like, "What do the kids like these days? Let's try to." Do isn't that, that Hollywood? Like in in a nutshell, though, for oh, yeah, the most it is. part, is like always weirdly a little bit behind (laughs) well it's even more behind even when like the idea like is is first kind of stolen or sort of uh recreated for hollywood it's always like it's always going to be a year or two later so like like even just with like thematically what's going on in the world so like movies about you know the trump administration and things like that and kind of like that tiger king tv show that came out like um with john john carroll lynch yeah yeah kate mckinnon kate mckinnon we i saw billboards for it with nevis and we're like who the fuck wants that no No one one does no one does tiger king 2 came out and no one wanted that i don't think anyone watched it and the first it was a flash in the pan that kind of got people interested because it distracted them from the beginning of the pandemic and like it just served its purpose and that's fine but yeah, nobody wants a sequel documentary series no one or a, a fictionalized yeah. narrative, even if it was at one point going to have Nick Cage yeah. in it. Like, it's a, who cares? No one wants like it's like even with like Willow, like Willow is like the the uh, talk about another legacy sequel or legacy yeah. series. It's like, who wants a Willow series? <laughs> like, who asked War, for this? Warwick Davis, I guess. But like. But he's doing fine. I know like, he is. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Disney, Disney Plus wants some hashtag content. So Ron Howard's um, like, oh, I'll come back. <laughs> Ron Howard will. You dangle a hot dog in front of that dude, and he'll be like, Yeah, I'm, I'm in. You gonna have the hot dog? And like, like, I'm just like, he'll do anything. Like, it's me, just like, I, put a little mustard. You on don't that even have boy. to like really give him anything. It's like, hey, Ron, we can't pay. I'm in. <laughs> it's like okay it's like sure what hey ron we got this new project i'm down it's like uh, uh, do you want to hear about it first no i'm good just tell me what you need and it's I'm called like, the dilemma i'm in yeah. i'm in i'm gonna do it oh, the great one God. of our greater tours it's even gonna be funny because like again like um he's doing the narrative uh thai rescue cave uh rescue movie, yeah, yeah. and it's just like it's it's all like white anglo-saxon actors like yeah. beagle mortensen and uh colin farrell and things like because that. that's just the like, only story they got the rights to right because yeah. remember that that was all like a weird thing um, we're like it's divided it's divided the like the actual thai soccer team's rights were sold to someone else but then the white divers were sold to ron howard classic yeah. and then like ron like, can you make this movie hell yeah you can't have anyone tie in it it's like ah, i'll make it work it's like how is that can, can my brother be in it this is fucking ridiculous hilarious okay everyone uh that's your three hour uh untitled movie podcast can you tell that eric and i haven't um podcasted in a while we had a lot to cover we covered everything from the Matchler Party to COVID to Lord of the Rings and IMAX, The Boys, Barry, Crimes of the Future, The Inside, Outtakes, Hustle, about 47 million trailers. Uh, we covered – I mean, Hus- Ron Howard is the most important one. Was Hustle so. the Adam Sandler movie? Is that what it's called? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, because you watched um, The Hustler. I watched yeah, Hustle. Yeah, that's where I got confused. Yes. Um, 
So thank you. If you, if you stuck through this three hours, wherever it took, maybe it took you three weeks. Maybe I'm back from my vacation. <laughs> You're just getting through this now. It's like we you really, never left. Yeah, we really appreciate it. You know, Eric and I, this was fun. We've done like six hours of podcasting today. Jesus, it's already um, 9.35. I know. I don't even think I'm going to Top Gun tonight. It's too late. I thought I'd make the 10.15 show, but I'm like, there's no chance. Um, so I'll probably maybe go see Top Gun tomorrow or something like that. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I've probably already seen it. Not that you care. Um, Oof, thank you. Eddie, bitch. No, not that they care. They're like, you would listen to our Top Gun review, I guess. And then 40, yeah. the 40X experience might be on the next episode. Um, thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Eric and I are feeling much better, and we hope to be doing this on a more consistent basis, even if I'm leaving. <laughs> As weeks. I leave, I hope we're doing this consistently for three weeks. We're gonna find a way. Yeah. If we record two or three episodes this week, maybe they're not gonna be three hours. Maybe they're three one-hour episodes. That and we'll just... have some fun content, hopefully, yeah. like interviews and stuff like that. That'll kind of like keep people interested. Uh-huh. The five people that are listening, shut up, we're watching, interested. Alex, there's at least six. Okay. A shout out um, to Alex Reno, who's now working at TIFF, by the way. Yeah, congrats to Alex. That's awesome. And in the press and industry. So he's yep. he's in our realm. So like if we do get a – oh, God, I got to do the TIFF application while I'm in Europe. That'll be fun. Um, that's coming up soon. So I don't know where the hell the time goes. But um, this was a blast. Thank you all. We're glad to be back. And we'll see you guys in four months. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, you can check out all of our new stuff uh, Top Gun Maverick review um, we also have a review for Stranger Things 4 um, we'll probably have you. by the time you're listening to this Ms. Marvel should be uh, out tomorrow if you're listening to this on Monday but it's Tuesday the 7th that it will be out uh, our Ms. Marvel first two episodes review uh, we'll have reviews for Lightyear Cha Cha Real Smooth uh, spider head all in the next couple weeks. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, just head over to our letterbox, which is untitled underscore movies. Uh, and to, Tim Horton's French vanilla ice. Coffee. Yeah. The, how dare you? It's called the Beebs brew. Okay. Get it. Get it. Straight. We got to do it. It's got it to be straight. its own review. Sure. I'll, that'll be some content we could put out while I'm gone. <laughs> just troll everyone. It's just five episodes of us reviewing random ice coffees, um, which actually sounds pretty great. Um, Untitled underscore cast on Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Oh. Meat's back on no. the menu, boys. Meek. Meek, no. no. <laughs> Is he dead? He's falling apart. There's Meek. Will it focus? Nope. Oh, no. Nope. It just looks like a weird all little right. purple smudge. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.